Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys very much for being with us here for episode number 157 it is monday december the 9th 2019 and we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again as always i'm joe Morata, joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy diddy how are you michael oh good yeah. very good you ready to romp through that I'm, world i'm rompy you're I'm romp ready mr rompy mr that's, romp. that's what they call me mr rompy michael quinn uh quinn we have uh, some great topics in store for our fans here maybe this is your first time listening it's gonna get good don't worry about it but before we get to any of our incredibly retro topics today a couple of administrative tasks oh yeah if you will and the boss hand that down <laughs> yeah the boss the boss <laughs> yeah, the boss if you can follow us on twitter please at ovp podcast what you can do there is not only are there announcements about things you know like tweets about the show blah blah there's a lot of video clips people like the clips i like watching things videos yeah. um clips. you know especially when they're like two minutes and 20 seconds right specifically that amount right. of time on the internet yeah uh, yeah <laughs> on the internet of course like when it's two minutes 20 seconds that i put my real yes obviously. your film reel you you know, I'm, I'm a little old school i keep it at the ready you gotta crank it up and go <laughs> crank but, it up uh, but also you can crank up an email if you want to and email us over at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com but when the best place to crank out some retro wrestling discussion is over on our facebook group that we we own we yeah. have facebook.com slash crank it's a good site where you can crank all you want we talk about uh crank it up by jimmy hart crank song. song crashy remember him cranky jr yeah he's very, very cranky, cranky these days but really it's a group on facebook quinn and there's a way to get there that i only yeah, you know i really it's a secret but here's the thing there's a search bar on uh facebook slash cranky oh wow and over there you type in the search bar our vantage point death retro wrestling podcast bing bang boom kaflui crank gore uh gore, gore. gore. Or, you, know, you gotta know about him he invented right? the internet he's good at it and then uh, the operators stand by they're there they're not cranky because no, they, they nice want to hear from you. They want to hear from you. What do we want to hear from you? Retro wrestling talk. And you can post some current stuff, too. But we try to focus on the retro, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Whether you've been a fan of just WWF, like some of us. WF. WF, excuse me. Yeah. Whether you like all different promotions, you know, like the territories, things like that. Post your stuff. Have fun there. The whole uh, rule that Quinn coined last week is don't be a dingus. Don't be it. You could be cranky, but don't, don't be, a be a dingus. Right? Yeah. Don't be a dingus when you're being cranky. Right. Just be nice to each other. We'll have fun talking about old wrestling questions, comments, concerns, all things like that. All Go the to, concerns. All the concerns. <laughs> Go to our Facebook group, uh, and it really will be a fun time, so you can go ahead and join that. And later on in the show, we're going to have some information about our Patreon. We do have one. It is patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We'll have some more info on that in case you're wondering when these two guys are going to start talking about wrestling. We're going to start talking about it right now. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's do it. So, Quinn, all season long, we've been doing something really cool. Uh, we've been talking about people that are not at the top of the card. No. Not at the bottom, though. Right? No, the, we, we don't want to. No, no. None of do that, that right yeah. now. Uh, right in the middle of a card. What's the best part of a sandwich? The meat. <laughs> What's uh, the Where's the meat? It's in the middle. Exactly. What's the best part of an Oreo? 
scraping the, the middle the frosting off of your teeth. Yeah, <laughs> the cream. And we're talking about some people that were in the middle of the car. That's right. It is our OVP salute. To the mid card. Who wants the cream? <laughs> there it is. Mid carders, the cream of the crop. No, really. We've, <laughs> we've had some great suggestions. And uh, here's one it is Bam, Bam, Bigelow. Oh, there he is. Whoa, whoa, hey. Now, Bam, I wasn't Bam, expecting that. Well, he's, he never got to watch out. Yeah. Now, Bam, Bam, Bigelow, I'd say definitely fits this because despite a couple of very brief brushes with the main event scene, in North America, anyway, he was definitely uh, right in the middle of the car most of the time. Always. Maybe upper mid, but still mid. He's very mid. <laughs> Even his height is very mid. 6'2". <laughs> yeah, six it's, three. it's like very, like, very average for wrestling. But I'm excited to talk about Bam Bam here. We're going to salute him a little bit because he is one of the best big men that I've ever seen, definitely. Mm-hmm. He has fire powers. He has fire powers, much like Super Mario. <laughs> and he is, in a lot of ways, similar to Vader. Just never was as high profile as Vader, I would say. Do you think he weighed less? Because I always kind of <laughs> got the impression that he was a little bit less than Vader. Little, little weight, a little less than Vader. Yeah. Now, he got started actually in uh, the mid-80s, around 86, in the old Continental, but the Memphis Continental Wrestling Association, not Alabama Continental. Right. I want you to take a look at Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the east, the man that I'm taking to Memphis, Tennessee. I always hear the story that he actually had his first match or something, Paul Heyman, at the Studio 54 or something weird. Paul Heyman discovered him or helped discover him right. when I, Paul was working for Studio what he was 54. Doing, yeah, I don't know what he was doing before that. But Wasn't he a bounty hunter at one point in his life? What? I think no so. dog? No, not that bounty hunter. Yeah. Different bounty hunter. And anyway, he, uh, he wrestled a little bit there in the uh, Memphis Territory and also briefly in World Class. But really made a big name for himself here in the U.S. in 1987. He signed with the WWF. Yep. And much in the same way that there was the whole 1985 campaign for who's going to manage Randy Savage. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. He was like a movie star. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all that. that stuff. Who's this? A movie star? Who is this? There's usually this- the sign for it's not going to be the normal people. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's not going to be any of the existing managers. Yeah, it's somebody new. And unfortunately, in this case, it was the face Oliver Humperdinck. That's who, very unfortunate. He, that guy shouldn't be a face, Oliver Humperdinck, number he, one. He should work for King Koopa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looks like it. He should be protecting the airship in World 7, you know? He should have the magic wand. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So they make this big elaborate, you know, thing. Well, who's going to be Bam Bam's manager? And all the guys want him. Bobby, you know, Fuji, you name it. Of Slick. course, yeah. I'm here to introduce Bam Bam Bigelow. And it's Oliver Humperdinck, and everyone's like, who? Yeah, <laughs> literally. I, as a kid, I was like, who is this guy? Why? Fake Lou Albano. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> like, he's terrible. He would just, like, march out there all fat. Waddle. With his coattails and his Reeboks on. <laughs> Awful. He looked like Mario Batali's uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Bam Bam, though, was a big deal. Let's not understate this. When he debuted, that was a big deal. He had a big, tremendous showing, which we uh, reviewed several months back at the 87 Survivor Series. Yeah, that's uh, to me, that's like his big coming out yeah. party. He like kicks a bunch of ass in that match. And I think uh, part of the reason for him being such a big deal is he was a unique look for yeah, the period of time. I, I want to say this. I think, honestly, I think a lot of people got hung up on this, the fire tattoos on his head thing. Right. 
Because that, to me, even as a kid, was always like, that's what's so unique about Barry. He's got tattoos on his head. Like, Gorilla who, would always point it who out. Who the fuck has tattoos yeah. on their head? Like, that's really weird. It is weird, to be yeah. honest with you. And you know what? It's great, too, because if you think about it, you could just grow your hair back in and nobody would, like, if you wanted to, like, quit yeah. this wrestling thing, nobody, right. nobody would, like, ever know. Go get a job as a clerk somewhere or yes. something like that. Mm, a couple months later, just yeah. get the hair back in. and Become nobody- a CPA. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. It's top tier. And I'd say that he was almost top tier in WWF for a little while there. But one of the things that happened is I believe it was in early 88. He hurt his knee and couldn't wrestle as much. Uh, His most high profile, unfortunately, appearance during this run was also Angry Ref's most high profile appearance (laughs) at WrestleMania 4 against One Man Gang. Right. (laughs) Which he, you know, he lost. Yeah, got counted out on the ring apron. (laughs) Referee obviously didn't say, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I saw it. Are you watching, Jess? Are you paying attention? I'm paying attention. I don't know how you can see with those cloudy bifocals of yours. Those are your box seats down there, right down to Trump. It happened right in front of him. He saw it. What were they doing? Because, like, honestly, re-watching those pay-per-views, it seemed like they were, like, yeah, this guy's like he's like Duggan practically. He was on Duggan levels. Yeah, he's yeah. like, which means he won a lot. Yeah, he won so a like, lot. What is he doing here? Like losing like a schmuck in like the first round or whatever it was. <laughs> it was terrible. And then he feuded a little bit with Andre the Giant until uh, the summer of '88 and left. And that was it. He was there for about a year. When I was a kid, I thought he just you know grew the hair back and disappeared because I didn't know <laughs> where the fuck he went. Like he just disappeared. Like he just was not around. Well, he went to Japan. Right. And uh, he was Crusher Bam Bam Bigelow there. But I don't know why. he wasn't in WCW, which was very weird. I think he was so briefly in WCW, maybe like in 89 for a cup of coffee. Really? And maybe a croissant. Does anybody even remember that? Because I never I hear that talked about. I think I've vaguely seen it and heard of it. The Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow. Big 400-pounder with a tattooed skull. And he went to Japan in the early 90s and was a tag team with Big Van Vader. Right. And they actually won the IWGP tag titles. Yeah, again, with this weird WCW association, <laughs> yeah. but not in WCW. Right. And I always like the idea of that team because they're very similar. Yeah. Bam Bam and Vader. No, it's great. That, that cool is a team. perfect pairing. Especially I, in Japan, these two big U.S. guys. Yeah, again, why did they not make it to America Like as that team? Because that... Right. I just find his career so odd because of that gap till like 93 or whatever. Yeah, right. So that's, that's what we'll talk about next year. He comes back in late 1992. Uh, now he's a heel in the WWF. Late 92, like, eh? Yeah. What, the fall like of 92 or something? Yeah, like yeah. November or something okay, like that. Yeah. Go ahead. Look. Look into these eyes. Because soon in the WWF, everybody's going to feel... And he's now a heel, and of course he has the iconic music, you know, BAM! BAM! And very good in the Raw video game. Very good in the Raw video game, you're right. And defeated Big Boss Man Rumble 93, that was this big, like, coming out party on uh, pay-per-view. And honestly, Bam Bam, in 93 and 94 was treated rather seriously. I mean, he was in a feud with Doink, so that's yeah. as a serious you can get with a feud with face Doink. But. No, I, I, I've i said this about this core of guys that kind of kept the WWF 
alive, yeah, basically. Like Waltman last week, Waltman, right? Waltman, but, like, Brett. Bam Bam, to me, is also another one of those guys, because, yeah. you know, him, his matches with Bret Hart and stuff like that. King of the Ring and, and otherwise, yeah. Yeah, he was just, he was always around. He always could give you a good match. I mean, I think especially so. a lot of those tournaments, King of the Ring and all that. He's he, great in the King of the Ring. Yeah. Beats Duggan clean. Fantastic. He also had a good feud, good enough feud with Tatanka in 93, which mm-hmm. I actually quite liked. He's in that good six-man at SummerSlam. The four doinks thing at Survivor Series, you know, a lot of people could point to and be like, well, how is this guy taken seriously? The way they played it, though, is like Bam Bam was like above all of it. He was like, what the fuck am I doing? He couldn't couldn't, like (laughs) pin them down. You think everything's funny because you're a clown. Well, I got something for you. And then in 94, he joins the Million Dollar Corporation. And that's the death sentence for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> what, what a horrible stable. Uh, it's so bad. It's like a black hole. It Anybody is. enters it, it's like you might as well kiss your WF career goodbye. Oh. You might as well go to WCW. Like Seriously, though. It sucks so much ass. And, like, you know what the worst part is? Is that he was probably, like, the best person. Like, no joke, because he, else is in an IRS? he had a WrestleMania main event out of it. He did, you're right. Now, this is a weird case for a mid-carder, too, this WrestleMania right. main event bit, but he's also still a mid-carder. Like, I feel like even when you got to that WrestleMania 11 with the LT and all that, yep. he wasn't really a main eventer. It was just no, like, well, he'll work. Feel like it's it. like he'll work well with LT because he's like a professional a he knows, pro. and he knows what he's doing. And, and he wanted the money. And he'll do the job yep and he did i mean that's yeah. one thing we got to give big little credit for folks is you know you maintained like we said an upper mid carter profile throughout 94 january 95 is the royal rumble in tampa and he teams up with horrible tatanka horrible yeah. heel tatanka terrible and they lose to bob holly and the one two three kid and lt makes fun of bam bam yeah which meanie what a big meanie a big right. jerk and bam bam's <sighs> like fuck you and he pushes him Yeah. I love that scene. Now, I love it because it felt the way they did it. It felt unexpected. Yeah, like it felt like wow, this celebrity. Like, wait, why is he like? Is this real? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, you know, those are like how your thoughts are going. You're right. Like, very cutting off in your brain. You're like, what? You're asking a million questions. And this is years before the Attitude Era, so it was right. kind of like out of its element, you know, to do something. It like was that. very weird. It was very weird. Vince treated it like a shoot. Right. And then, of course, there's the build up to the match. They have this match. Bigelow gets to talk a lot in doing the promos for this match, and he's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, he carried the program because LT wasn't there on a day to day basis. So it was a every week Bam Bam, like yelling shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's good at it. Yeah. And they had a, what I would say is actually a surprisingly good professional wrestling match at WrestleMania 11. It is. And in, involving, um, what's, what's the girl band that was there? Oh, Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. <laughs> and Pat Patterson's ref. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Wasn't that because of there was reasons, right? Well, when you have a non-wrestler in there, they usually stuck Pat in there. They did a WrestleMania one also, right? You know, yeah. where it's just like well, they, that was also because Muhammad Ali like lied, basically. <laughs> like he was like, I, I can just do anything, and they look at him for like a second. They're like, like, No, you can't. No, uh, stand okay, out here, Pat. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was kind of it, though, for Bam Bam being good because he did turn face. Well, I would shortly say after that, that's, that's in, in WWF. Yeah, in WWF. Okay. Sorry, yeah, because uh, he turned face shortly after, and that was cool. Then they gave him like weirder music with a fire coat and the weird pattern on his tights again. Like like a doofus. (laughs) Like I don't know why they did this. He's like the clicks little bitch. Remember when Sean and Diesel (laughs) reunite and Bam Bam just there like an idiot? Yeah, it just wasn't good. I'm sorry. There's people that have said that um, you know, like the click didn't like him or something. That might be part of it. I don't know. I I don't know. Like 
I always find this with like the click things. It's like you find out years later that it really wasn't as bad as like Possibly. everyone says it was. Possibly. I, my guess is probably like, I bet you it wasn't even Sean. Like, he doesn't seem like the guy who would have a problem with him. It's probably, like, somebody, like, you know, like, Waltman or fucking <laughs> Nash or something. That, they're like, I don't like that guy. So everyone just kind of is like, okay, well, then we don't like that guy. Yeah. Like, kind of situation. You know what I mean? He kind of was just doing jobs the last few months. Uh, yeah. And lost to Goldust at Survivor Series. And that was it for Bigelow in the WWF. But then he had a bit of a resurgence in ECW, which I love in right. 97, This 98. whole ECW journey here he's is... good there. He's wonderful. Yep. He, uh, he's in the triple threat, right. and he also beats frickin' Taz rather famously when they yep. fall through the ring in mm-hmm. Asbury Park. Mm-hmm. Bigelow crawls it's, out. It's so good. It, that Taz feud is great. And that's when Taz was near unbeatable. Yeah, and it was like, no, Bam and Bigelow's like, fuck you, I'm from WF, <laughs> yeah. like, and I'm bigger than you. You're like a midget compared to me. Like, it worked the way it should have worked. Yeah, I agree like, with you. know you. what I mean? It was great. But it also made Taz look strong somehow. It made yeah. him look like, wow, he really stood up to this like guy that's yeah. like, you know, he kick, it, he kick his ass, basically. It was a great feud. Yeah. Uh, and then Bigelow shows up in WCW at the end of 98. He's in the Jersey Triad, if you recall. Which is with, just the triple threat in WCW. Yeah. It was a Canyon and DDP, right? And they just yeah. hold up the three, you know. I almost felt like, I know it sounds stupid, but I almost felt like somehow Shane Douglas was involved with that. But he wasn't. I don't think so, it was just, he? It all blends together for it's me. It's because of the ECW, yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of it for him. He he stayed with WCW until the very end. And he was on the last Nitro. Yeah, that's that's weird. And I think it has to do with just, it's just how his contract kind of yes. worked out, right? It, it ran was, past, he had a Time Warner one, so it ran into like 02. So he was just uh, living off the fat in Asbury Park, fishing and all <laughs> Doing that. Doing his fishing and his fire which, which, that's always We didn't bring that up, but that's always like <laughs> yeah. something that sticks out to me. It's first of all, this Asbury Park thing right. that they would always like, he's from Asbury Park. Like we need to, you need to know. You have to know that. He's from Asbury Park. So that way, anytime he's in New, Jer- New Jersey, he's like fucking Bruce Springsteen <laughs> wrestling. Like I'm oh, serious. Right. The road. <laughs> yeah, it's like Asbury Park's kind of like off the beaten path, especially in the '80s, right? Yeah. And now it's like gentrified and it's nice, but in the '80s, early '90s, it was, it was kind of like dump. Maybe you go there for the beach, but generally, like not. go to like Point Pleasant or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seaside or something. Right. Like you know what I mean? Yep. So Asbury Park was kind of shitty, right? So it was weird that they would hype this, but they would hype it anyway. And then like throughout his career, there was always like a weird New Jersey thing about him, right? Yeah. They would just always hype it. And, it's and, a Jersey boy, man. And the, the fun thing I always remember is this WF magazine where they showed him like fishing or something and With a fire Park. vest on and or he's something. All happy. Like every picture he's like smiling, but he's like got fish and he's got, he's sitting on the boat. He's, you know, he's got the rod he in there. It. He's got like six rods set up on the, on the edge of the back, which is like very New Jersey. It's like oh, yeah. anytime I've ever been on a boat, that's what people do. Big case of beer. I'm sure nearby yeah. out of the frame somewhere. You're in the Barnegat Bay or <laughs> you're not even in the ocean. Little like Harbor perhaps. Yeah. Hey Jersey jerk off. Have you ever considered that not everyone knows what the fuck Little Egg Harbor is? Why not just bring up Shark River Hills while you're at it? You garden stayed shithead. And he kind of just did some indie dates, you know, after his WCW career was over with. Tragically, unfortunately, passed away in 2007, as is all too common for a lot of these alumni. Which is weird. I don't, was it, he wasn't, he never um, came off as a drug person no, to me, did. was he? Yeah, it was, you know what it was? It was, I think, painkillers. Oh, he was constantly hurt. in pain. He was hurt. Okay. Worked hurt a lot. But let's talk about Bam Bam for a couple minutes here to wrap it up. 
I think that uh, he had a great look. I think he was he moved incredibly well. I think he's mm-hmm. comparable with Vader in terms of his ability. Yeah, I don't know if I can call him underrated. He's not overrated, but I don't know if he's underrated. He's very rated. You think I, it's just perfectly I, rated? I, I, he's fine. Is there enough appreciation for yes. Bam Bam Bigelow? Yes. You think one hundred percent? I feel like people they, they nobody they get talks it, right? shit about him. Like he right, and I you can tell he was kind of liked. I mean, as as maybe there's that little burst of whatever you know brush up he had with the right. click but like other than that you never hear a bad word about him i think brett liked working with him i think yeah. a lot of people did i think he was a true pro with the way he did business with lt do you think he was ever had a shot at being a wwf main event or a wwf champion or i think it maybe at the beginning it seemed like he had an upward trajectory but it kind of just 87 you mean? yeah yeah right? the yeah first no, run. and yeah i mean all that stuff at survivor series like he seemed yeah. like legit and yeah i don't know i i <sighs> You know what his problem was is that he was back then he was a face during like the Hogan era. So like where the hell can you go from there? You can only be below Hogan. And I think the second mistake he probably made from a career perspective was not going to WCW and staying there afterwards. That that Japan run almost made him like forgotten. Like right. you know what I mean? When he came back in the early nineties, people were like, "Yeah, I kind of remember this guy," right, but right. like because he wasn't in WF long enough to stay that far away from the u.s right. for people to like remember who he was yeah that's fair i think that if he and vader would have been a team in wcw they would have right. had some fondly remembered matches if harley race managed both of them and they like right. dominated like you know the world title and maybe the u.s title scene right. or something or them versus the steiners or something like right. that you know they could have probably had some good stuff i think bigelow yeah timing with with the hogan thing if maybe he would have worked well as a heel against hogan but they obviously wanted him as a face in 87. Yeah, but as soon as he would lose to Hogan at Saturday Night's Main He's Event another or Kamala. Some, yeah, right? you know. Or a killer con. What the fuck is he doing? Correct. You know? And then in 93, you had one big fat guy as the world champion, and that was Yoko. And obviously, for as unique as Bam Bam was, I think Yoko was even more unique. Yeah, but you know what? When he came back to America, I never felt like they marketed Bam Bam as like a big fat guy as much as like... Look how agile he is. Yeah, they you know focused what I mean? on the agility. Yeah, like, look, he does a moonsault and right. shit. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, not flying so- headbutt, you know? Cool moves, too. He yeah. had a good moveset. Right. For a did. big guy, I mean, he really, he moved well. Uh, I don't think he would have been, I think maybe WCW could have given him a run, but they it's WCW in the late 90s, early 90s. Right, right. I mean, they're disorganized and politics and all that. I still think he would have, there would have been room for him, especially in like 91, 92 WCW. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's where I think there would have been room. Maybe he aligns with Rick Rude and the Dangerous Alliance oh, or something. Seems, you know, uh, he seems like he'd fit right into the Dangerous Correct. Alliance. You know, with his Paulie connection it's, in the first there you place. Go, right? That would have been like a hand in a glove, right? That there. would have been great. Yeah, but I was glad to see him get that resurgence in ECW. I think that was like a, a really nice part of his career to show, like, yeah, this guy can hang in big programs like Taz and all the big relative to ECW. You know, and yeah, and be I mean, a big he was deal. on the top of the card in ECW. Yeah, but that. That's to be expected, too. Again, right. he main-evented WrestleMania. <laughs> right, exactly. The only mid-carter we can say who main-evented WrestleMania and still was a mid-carter. You're absolutely... I think you know you're I mean? right, like, yeah. He never... Like, that was, like, just a one-time thing. Yep. Yeah, and it was also during, like, the worst era for yeah. WWF. That and what else did he main-event? King of the Ring, where he teamed with Diesel against Tatanka and Sid. Remember that piece of shit that was, tag match? To me, that was always the apology for having the job. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It they, was. They basically were like, okay, listen, you do this, We're and then like, later in the year, you'll have like a nice little yep. you'll get, nice little payday. At the worst pay-per-view of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll get, you get, you get the big money. You, you know, did. we'll get $35 that they were paying. Back the, you know, 
God, I mean, imagine, imagine the per nights back then. Probably not it, good. it was probably bad. I mean, was bad for high that. school gyms. Literally. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's Bam Bam Bigelow. I think a, a definite uh, all-timer. I just, uh, I wish, I wish maybe there was more to say about him as a main eventer, but he didn't brush up against him much, but a definite solid upper mid Carter, one of the all time great big men. Definitely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Right up there with Vader and a few other people. And, uh, that's our thoughts on Bam Bam folks. Let us know your thoughts on Bam Bam Bigelow and his music. And speaking of music, when we come back, we're going to be pulling two more names out of the tank and see where they rank. It is the best wrestling themes of all time. It is the Royal rankings and it is coming up right after this. You know, I came out here last week to make an apology. I all, out of sincerity of my heart, I was going to make that apology. And it didn't feel right then. And it don't feel right now, McMahon. I'm not making no apologies for what I did to Lawrence Taylor. If I shoved him, I should have shoved him harder. Wait a minute. You were suspended for 30 days. Yeah, I was suspended for 30 days. And I got to remind you that just about, just not everybody, but just about everybody in the WWF fraternity agreed with. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't care about the 30-day suspension. And I don't care what happens from now and then. You listen to me and you listen good. And you, LT, if you're out there, I want you to open up your ears too. Because I got something to say to you. Now, you want to put dignity and pride on the line well i'm willing to put mine on why don't you put yours on no pants no helmets no teammates lawrence taylor just me and you man on oh man that's my apology you're you, challenging lawrence taylor I'm challenging lawrence taylor anytime any place and welcome back wrestling fans to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast it's episode number 157 here on Monday, December the 9th, 2019. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Quinn. Yeah? How you doing? I'm good. You're here? Yeah, Quinn's here. Oh, uh, folks, we have a Patreon. We gotta tell them about that, Quinn. Oh, right, the Patreon. Now, we don't have this because we expect to, like, get rich and, no, you know, we're, we're rip not, you off. we're not step-toe and son no. or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we, we have very affordable tiers. It's $2, $3, and $5. That's the max yeah. that we even offer. And no matter what tier you're on, there is a crap load of content on here. A crap load. And it's all tagged and nice and organized. You can yeah. check it out on our, our site. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And Quinn, we have uh, different rewards on each tier, and they just keep building, right? So for, yeah. for $2, you get the making of every single Monday episode in video form, which includes me saying this right now. Right. The raw footage, the as raw. it's known. Yeah, yes. it's very raw. Yeah. It's yeah. never going to be cooked. Yeah, never. No. Never ever. I mean, I don't cook it at all each week, so <laughs> and I, just, I just dump it on there. Just dump just it right raw, on there. Yep. Raw. Nothing, no cooking. No editing. Nothing. Nope, nothing. And uh, that might be useful to some of you OVP aficionados because you get to see behind the scenes information, the drawing of royal rankings you get numbers. To see when we make mistakes. Yeah, if we ever do. Which uh, news anchors Quinn finds overrated. You yep. know, we might discuss that from time to time. Sometimes there's like alternate discussion you get out of this, so yeah, it's, it's pretty of, good. It's kind of a bit of an extra there, you it's know? It's a little bit of an extra, and it also includes our back arc of a dozen or so OVP commentaries where we take a specific match and do a commentary on it and about a dozen or so Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Believe extras. It or not, there's 35 total commentaries. Oh, wow. And 12 extra like Rushmore, Death Valleys, things like that. So, See, there you there go. There you go. So it's almost three dozen commentaries. Almost like 42. Look at that. Is that the right amount? <laughs> no. no. All for only $2 a month. That's yeah. it. A month. That's it. Not a, not a day it's or a week. really. A month. 
So that's $2 tier. Now, $3, you get all of the stuff we just said, but also every other Friday, Quinn and I release a video, and that video is us watching the WWF Championship Wrestling from 1983. We have made it out of February. It is March of 83 now. But the cool thing about these is it includes everything all the way back to 82, but... Quinn has also been releasing, when these come out for free on our YouTube channel, you're going to get an OVP Rewind from 1982. There's almost 20 of those, if I'm doing my math correct. There Um, you go. And you can watch all the way up, and then you get up, and you're like, man, I want to watch more. I'm caught up. I want to see more. I'm caught up. I want to see more of this. So then, boom, there's like a ton more of those, too. So you you basically, there's so much content. A lot of content, and people like the 83s, the 82s, because it's us watching the show on the screen. You can see the show, too. And we just watch it as two friends watching wrestling, and you get to watch along with us. It's a fun time. You get to hang out, if you will. If you will. And then also, to max it out, $5 a month. That's it. It's everything we just said, and then once a month, we are doing every single WWF pay-per-view full review. We're talking a two-and-a-half, three-hour review. Audio. Audio. And it is every pay-per-view. So that is starting with WrestleMania, the first one. We've done that. We're all the way up to the one coming out soon, Survivor Series 88. A big December pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, Survivor <laughs> yes. Series 88. Although next month for January will be the Rumble of 89. Right. So. so see how it all times out there. That? It's all a master plan. All really. a master plan. And if you want to hear our thoughts on all the pay-per-views, you can do that. That's on the $5 tier. So again, that's Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's if you want to donate, if you like what we do, if you want to support the show, encourage you to check it out and see if there is a tier that suits your fancy. But Quinn, speaking of fancy, <laughs> we, we have an elaborate ranking uh, prism here that we use. The fancy feast of, <laughs> of, rankings, of wrestling yeah. themes, yes. So what we do, folks, with the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was entrance themes. We all love a good theme, and we take all of those names, and the top 10 and the bottom 10 enter the separate ranking tanks. There's one for the best, and there's one for the worst. Yep, the tanks. The tanks. The tanks of ranks. Yes, the rank tanks. Yeah. And we alternate weeks. So last week, we did the flush, which is the worst. This week, it's time for another rankings, which is the best. And before we start that, I want to run them down for you. Currently... At number one, and this is, again, the OVP, organic, certified, non-GMO, ordained, baptized, you name it, we've done it, we've tested it, it is approved. This is the greatest theme to ever happen, as of this moment, at least. Pomp and Circumstance, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. Uh, Number two, neck and neck with it, though. Hulk Hogan's Real American. The Huckster. The Hucker. Yeah. Uh, number three, the Underwear Takers theme. Uh-huh. And yeah, <laughs> now that we know how he talks, he should have sung the theme. Right? Like, Hi, I'm the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number four, the Nature Boy, Nick Flair. Yep. And number, <laughs> Little Nicky. Number five, the NWO theme. New World Odor. Yes. Not bad. And number six, rightfully so, the Honky Tonk Man's hun- Cool Cocky Bad. The Hunky Dunky Man. Yeah, that uh, I have thoughts about that, but anyway. Look, I think it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Those are the six on the board. Now there's only four more names in the tank. Let's go down now to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Just a 
But The Rock is cooking. It is the Royal Rankings of Entrance Themes. When there are six on the board, only four more themes are left in the tank. Getting near the nitty and gritty here, both. Huh? Yeah, yeah, both nitty and gritty. Right. Which is danger. You watch out when that Decisions happens. Decisions have to be made. That's right. This is important, folks. And you can, of course, let us know your rankings. But the time for talking is through. It is now time for turkey. Well, Look, we're a little past that. A little past ham. turkey time. Remember, it's oh, ham yeah, season, okay? Or the seven fishes, which right. I still don't remember don't bring all of them. Up the, <laughs> no, sorry. Let's all find out now who drew number seven. Whoa. this is about to pick up. <laughs> I got a rouse. <laughs> Why is JR talking to himself? I don't know. Well, there he is. Here it is. Stone Cold Steve Coldstone. Live and die by the 316, as the YouTube video says. Yes. Like that's, that's what they always said. Yeah, remember that phrase? Live and die by the 316. <laughs> what, what is that? I don't know. Now, Steve Austin's theme is damn near synonymous with the Attitude Era. Yeah. With uh, tuning in every Monday night in 1998, and someone's getting stunned. There might be a vehicle. Yep. Of some kind, there's beer. You know what I find weird about this theme? There's middle fingers. It's associated with the Attitude Era. Oh. <laughs> but it comes off very, like, late new generation, the, the music style, for some reason. Which, me. you are correct about that. I yeah. believe he adopted this in the fall of 96. Yeah, so which that was would a be dumpy right. time. <laughs> very dumpy. It was starting to get better. Yeah, actually, Austin's first WWF theme, we might as well play it while we oh, have the God opportunity this. here. This was the Ringmaster theme. Obviously, Austin came in in uh, December 95. In the ill-fated million-dollar corporation, as we were mentioning <laughs> as earlier, we talked about before. Yes, a, a piece of crap, piece and he was of kind crap. of like the only person left too. Like it was just like it was like one more chance. It's yeah. like let's get this guy with like kind of fuzzy hair and give him green trunks, green trunks, million-dollar belt for yeah. no reason. Yeah, and this was his stupid theme, which is yeah. very similar to Demolition's so, bad theme. I don't think this is a bad theme. I just think it's misplaced or something like it. For a guy called the Ringmaster, it just doesn't... I don't get it. It's like he's... It's almost like he should be associated with, like, The Undertaker or something yeah, with this music. Hannibal Lecter or something. Yeah, I don't know, like, what they were going for with this, but the most I remember about this theme, Joe, right? To me, this is associated with beating the shit out of Savio Vega. Yes, and like, uh, WrestleMania 12, yeah. and also Jake Roberts, King of the Ring 93. Right. This was the music that he was even still using this when he started this Bret Hart feud. Thankfully, uh, someone decided, you know what, let's give this guy a much better theme, and we, of course, got the iconic glass-breaking, right. and just the, the attitude and the swagger of this theme fit Steve Austin. And chaos. And chaos, it, it yeah. like chaos. Now, I must say, this theme especially stood out with the glass-breaking thing after WrestleMania 13, and he actually came through the broken glass. Yeah, that's a great entrance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it shatters, like, and, like, on cue, like, glass shatters, yeah. and Austin, like, walks through it, and it's fucking awesome. How cool is it that something as simple, I mean, we've all done it there, if you've ever been to a restaurant, maybe your Butterfinger waiter's over at TGI Friday's dropping a glass, how simple, just a glass-breaking could kick off a theme like that. That's a brilliant choice. I'll give Jim Johnston credit on that yeah, one. Yeah, it's great. That too. is a and brilliant choice. Stone Cold character, of course. Thankfully, um, to um, 
what's that British lady that he was married to? <laughs> Jeannie your, Adams? Your, 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 your coffee's gonna get stone cold or whatever <laughs> she said. Yeah, tea. your tea. She's English. So. Weird that she was serving Austin tea. She made him drink it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then again, she's British, right? I mean, no. he must have adopted all the British stylings. Did he have a, you know, maybe smoking coat at Maybe. Stop brushing his teeth. Yeah, yeah that thing. Sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> there was also an upgrade to this that uh, Quinn's a big fan of. I'm somewhat, it. this is a late 2000 and most notably a WrestleMania 17 after, and Austin, he's shaking hands with the devil and all that now, stuff. Now, I want to say this, I know this about this theme, that this was actually part of, they were pushing a, basically it was like all these WWF themes, but they had lyrics. Like that was yes. the album they were pushing. So this theme. By commercial artists and things like that. Yeah, which was weird, but also like some of them were okay. And I thought this Austin one actually like. Because the singing is like very early 2000s, like yelly, for some reason to me, it always like fit the Austin character. Like this, like it's like the music is yelling at you. And that's like how I think of Stone Cold Steve Austin in the first place. So I always thought this worked. Shall we take a listen? Yeah, let's go. So the guitar is much more in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, this fits Austin. Uh, I wouldn't say it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. The redneck, the bionic redneck. This. It's very early 2000s oh. vocals, though. It's the disturbed in this, yeah, actually. It's, it's, it, I think it's really funny that people don't like this, but also I mean, some he was like do. a fucking heel when he had it. It's associated most when he turned heel, yeah. Right. Now, there's there's uh, my favorite part coming up on the, yeah, the main Quinn. verse here, but it's very, very obnoxious, and I thought it always said something I mean, else. This right here? So, so are you living in the psycho? No, it's not living in psycho. Because that's what I always... I remember as he, like, was celebrating with the man, I'm like, yelling, living in psycho! Like, I remember this at WrestleMania 17. I'm like, yelling. I'm like, yeah! Fuck yeah! You were happy about it, huh? I was so entranced by this heel turn. Like, I really? thought... I thought it was so needed. I felt like he was getting lame and like Deborah and like oh, don't mess with my wife. And, like, that, yeah. I, it's Only like, I'm allowed to beat her up. Yeah, it's like I just I was like enough of this. Like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was like the only person who liked the heel turn. I was like very excited about it. I'm sure it. you weren't the only one. There's a few other misguided souls out there, yeah. Michael. Uh, but as far as overall aesthetic for Austin's theme, this one and the other one, when not, not a specific one was voted in, but I think most people probably associate the the standard one with steve austin now, did they ever um did they ever just keep the like that blaring guitar thing i don't think so with it but without the lyrics because i don't know i feel like his theme nowadays is like somewhat modified maybe maybe, maybe i'm wrong maybe it's just like i'm envisioning it but i feel like there's like a more basic version of austin's theme which we know but is there like like when he comes out now like what does it sound like i know it's like slightly different i don't know quinn Let's find out. It's like, do you, do you hear that? It's like a little, it's like a little more to I'm it. I'm sure it's remixed, if nothing else. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But um, yeah, it's 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 a great theme. Um, I also like another weird thing in the theme that I always liked was there's a part in it where it kind of gets past like the main verses and stuff, and then there's like sirens in the background. Yeah, some, and that's in one of the versions anyway, right? Where yeah. there's sirens. Well, I mean, it's in most of them because it, by like ninety eight, he's got like the sirens in it. Like it, it's there. It's <laughs> definitely there. You know what's funny about this song too? A lot of people have noted this in the past. It's the same basic feel of Razor Ramon's theme. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's not exactly well, most, the same. I feel but. like most themes by Jim Johnson, right? Like that's a Jim Johnson joint. This yes, one, yes, and so is they, Razors. They kind of 
they follow a pattern. Yes, let's they put do. It that way. Yes, they do. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing no, because no, no. I, I think it does add a weird consistency to all the characters. Like, sure, it's like you know this sounds like a WF theme, right? Like you know what I mean. Even the some of the lower Carter ones, like Midian's theme and stuff right, like that, yeah. and Steve Blackman's. It sounds like Jim Johnston. There was an overall like aesthetic yes. to like wrestlers in the late 90s themes because they were they were all made by the same guy pretty much yeah and Jimmy was, Hart was gone like you know what I mean you're absolutely so right it, it's kind of I always thought that was great I thought it was great too and I think when Austin got this music as weird as this might sound that was an integral part of his character like fully forming as Stone Cold Steve Austin because like I said when he had won the King of the Ring and even through the fall of 96 he was still using that old horrible Ringmaster theme it was bad again for him for that character it didn't make sense but as soon as he got this theme and he used it against Bret at uh, Survivor Series 96 mm-hmm. it just he now that was like the missing piece of the puzzle practically he right definitely needed it because if he was <laughs> going to feud with Bret Hart he could not go in with that <laughs> shitty music like I'm sorry like it, it was time you know I thought uh, I thought Steve was I thought his theme was horrible though I give his first theme a 4 out of 10 <laughs> you know I thought I could have written a better theme than that but you know I like you know his second theme though it's Nine out of ten, definitely. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Anyway, that's Steve Austin's theme. We'll talk more when it comes to ranking time. But I think we both agree that that's a good theme. No doubt fits about the it. Character. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, folks. Well, that's number seven. Let's all find out now which theme drew number eight. This theme. The Demolition. Unlike that other version. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is an instance, Quinn, of a team yep. making both lists because Demolition's heel theme it's finally happened. is on the flush. Yeah. And here is a classic. Let's just take a quick listen here. The Demolition. Walking disaster. Awesome. Pain awesome. and destruction. Now, they, now, which one's pain and which one's destruction? <laughs> is, is, is it Axe, Pain? I think it's Axe, Pain, and Smash Destruction. Yeah. What's their last name? Demolition. demolition. Axe, Pain, Demolition. <laughs> well, Smash Destruction, Demolition. Okay. That's, their, that's their Christian names. Demolition nomenclature canon notwithstanding. Yeah. I think, uh, man, was this theme like a breath of fresh air. I mean... Lyrically, only very few during that period of time had him. Uh, Hogan did, and very few others. You know, Pile Driver and a few other things. But this things one, like that. The, even the lyrics go with an entrance. Like I love that it just says, "Here comes the axe, and here comes the smasher." Right. Even though his name's not Smasher. his name's not Smasher. But that's <laughs> that's, that's his long name. They just <laughs> took off the R at the yeah, end. It's Smash. It's yeah. short for Smasher. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And uh, just like Axe is short for Axel. Uh, yeah, there you go. That Axel. Their full name. Axel and, and Smasher. <laughs> Yep. Going to the music. Yes. This was a great song. You know, they debuted this song when they were heels. They had initially had, and I believe we played it when we did the flush segment for Demolition, their instrumental version briefly. It was like Jimmy Hart's original demo. Which is the same thing. It's yeah, just without no lyrics. lyrics. Yeah. And they got Rick Derringer to sing it here, who was famous for, of course, that song Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. What? Rick Derringer. You keep bringing up this rock and roll Hoochie Coo. I hate it. You don't hate it. You like it. I don't even know what it is, really. You're going to like it. Oh, boy. So, you're going to pull it up. Huh? No, I would never do that to you. Why would you do that to I me? don't know what you're talking about. When is this from? 1973. This is Rick Derringer, Rock like and Roll Hoochie Coo. 1963 from this footage. Yeah! Rick Derringer, this hot artist. <laughs> he was a name. Could stop moving when it first took <laughs> Here come the accent. <laughs> <and> the smasher. <laughs> Straight night after old 
What the hell is this? The demolition walking disaster. Yeah. What if it's like all the same? <laughs> it's, it's like just sped up or slowed it's down. Not. Anyway, demolition scene really fit them very well because first of all, you have these two guys in these somewhat S and M style outfits with spikes what and black blood. They? I don't know. Were they like supposed to be like kind of like Mad Max? Is yeah. what I always got oh, the impression. Yeah. No, they were. And obviously inspired by the Legion of Doom mm-hmm. or the Road Warriors as as they were. And I don't know what you're talking about with that because they're what do you mean? they're definitely the originals. I don't think so. I think I the Road Warriors came first. They're better anyway. <laughs> it, it doesn't even matter who came first. Send your cards and letters to Michael Quinn. Ogden, Utah. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> why is that my av- address now? Ogden, but, Utah. Yes, Ogden, Utah. <laughs> now anyway. PO box one, two, three, seven, four, or whatever it's, it is. It's real. So this theme fit these guys perfectly, especially his heels, but I mean, it made total sense in their faces, too. It's this badass, you know, like a a little hard rock tinge to it. Nice vocal by Derringer. I gotta say, when this music hit, it felt like somebody was getting their ass whooped. This is like the definition of that, right? Absolutely. They come out, like, I remember, too, like, at WrestleMania 6, they come out, and I remember distinctly, one of them, like, puts their arms arms up, up, and I'm like, "Mm, like, go get them. Fuck Andre. <laughs> Fuck Haku. They're going down. They don't even get an entrance. <laughs> like, it's like That's demolition true. just comes out and kicks their ass. It's true. And man, this music throughout 89 and, and into 90 was just symbolic of an ass whooping. You know, yeah. honestly, now, I'm, I'm assuming here, Quinn, even though the Road Warriors, you know, not the originals in your opinion, uh, they did come out to Iron Man in the 80s. And I bet this was an answer to that. I don't so, want to hear about that. Sorry. Now, I think it's... Uh, one don't even the- have their own theme. <laughs> they got to get it from Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, exactly. I think this is one of the best themes of all time. Yeah. Personally. No, I, this one always gets my blood pumping. This is a theme that I will throw on in my car. Like, no joke. For real, huh? Yeah. Like, this is like a... To me, this is just like a regular song. It's like a complete three and a half minute song. It's good. Yeah. It's not just this little, like, bit of, you know, sampling or something for an entrance Right. Theme. You could play this for somebody if they'd never heard it. They think it was like a metal 80s song. They honestly would, yes. They, they wouldn't... If they didn't know who the axe or smasher yeah. are, like... <laughs> I mean, it's weird that it says it in there, but also you could just, that could just be a lyric and yeah, right, right. literally like in a Guns N' Roses song in the, like the late 80s. There's weirder lyrics out there. Yeah. You ever listen to Peter Gabriel? Right, exactly. <laughs> Sting. Mr. Khrushchev said he will bury you. I don't subscribe to this point of view. Who cares? Yeah, Demolition's theme is awesome. I think it's so good that it made it when they switched it in 1990, you know, the heel one, it made it that much worse because this theme was so good. To me, that's almost why Demolition heel theme is so poor. Right. Because they had the best music. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, why would you, like, fuck with it, basically? Like, why would you screw around with the Demolition music? It's literally, like, the best song you got. That really gets your blood boiling, doesn't it? It pisses me off! Like... They had it. Uh, why could it, 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 they had it when they were heels too? So why, when they turn heel again, that they can't have the same music? Because axe is gone, so you can't say here comes the axe. That's what, what it, people say. Why don't they? Why did they not just call Crush Axe? Like, would, would <laughs> anybody you can't really do that? Yeah, but ultimately, like you know, to the random person in some place where they travel has no fucking idea. Yeah, they like, do? No, they don't. <laughs> No, I mean, it looks different. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, like... One's really shitty and one's really old. Somebody's dad that gets, like, dragged to this show. Yeah, Barney. He has no fucking idea. Barney from Iowa. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't doesn't care. It's like, that guy's got his face painted. I know Demolition has their face. Who cares? (laughs) But his kid cares. All Crush had to do, too, was kind of, like, cut his hair a little short. And and learn how to wrestle. And also wrestle better. 
Yeah, but I think he could have also been Axe if he wanted. <laughs> no, there's only one think, Axe. I don't think anybody would have been that mad about it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> if they just switched him out and called him Axe. Right, and then when he went face in, like, Hawaiian, he could have just been Crush. No, it's bad. This is all bad. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's not bad, this theme song. Uh, I think it's time for the ranking. What do you say there, Michael? Yeah, let's go for it here. All right, let me run them down again real quick. At number one is Randy Savage's theme. Number two, Real American, Hulk Hogan. Three, The Undertaker. Four, Ric Flair. Five, The NWO. And six, The Honky Tonk Man. Now, I think we got really strong contenders this week, Joe. Both, Austin yes. and uh, Demolition. And I'd say Austin is immediately better than Honky Tonk Man. Oh, definitely better than the Honky Donkey. <laughs> okay. Um, NWO is a contemporary theme of Austin's. It's, yes. It's, it's, it actually, actually predates like, it a little bit. Predates a little bit, but I mean around the same time, yeah, right? by months, right. Um, I always thought the Austin theme... You know what's really funny about the Austin theme? When it first came out, right? I didn't think it was better than the NWO theme, but then over time, I think the Austin character really carried it to prominence because it got associated with, you know, like out of nowhere beatdowns and stuff like not that the NWOs wasn't either, but I think Austin's were more chaotic and I think it just fit a little bit better. His were more inventive, obviously. And yeah, Zambonis and beer trucks and the things. The NWO theme's a little it's slower. Yeah. So I think that the chaos that Austin brought was his music fit, basically. I think it fit. I also think that just, yeah, the song in general feels like Steve Austin, whereas the NWO theme, you know, it's it's not any one person's theme. It's also just, a bit braggadocious, like how they could, like, you know, they come down, like, almost like the Razor Ramon. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, supposed to be a little slower, kind yeah. of like, it's like, look at these assholes. There is some braggadocia there. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think Austin's theme is better, though. I do, too. Okay. I agree. I don't think we have to think hard on that one. Now, what I about think, Flair? Yeah, now, I think Rick Flair's a is a weird case, because I think, depending on where you grew up, in the era you're from or whatever, you might you might easily say, I mean, how could Austin seem to be better than Ric Flair, right? right? I mean, yeah. Flair's is timeless. Flair's is timeless. It's classic. But Austin's, again, I like to, I think Austin's is an interesting case because it came in when a lot of people were already fans. Right. And it kind of like, I feel like it just slowly crept up as like, almost on the level of like Hulk Hogan. Like that theme, like it just kind of became like it associated with a time period and an era of and wrestling. And it also has, I agree with that. It also has the most famous intro to any of the songs I think ever. And I'm talking about the glass you breaking. Think the glass breaking. What about if you smell what the rock's cooking? Like that's like that's I know that hasn't there. been brought in yet, but that's up if there. It, if it is even, but yeah, that's another one. And that signified something. Just that that sound of that glass breaking signified there was something that was going to happen. Yeah. And to see Austin storm out, whether he's wearing his hunting jacket and a baseball cap or whether he's got a, his no. double knee brace that, on. Because I always I thought it. when he became like extra hick. I loved like, it. I thought that actually like worked for oh, him yeah. surprisingly. Like, oh, he would just storm out like that with a hunting jacket on. <laughs> and on, on a weird aside, um, I always thought they established the hunting attire. Like it was almost like a tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figure or something. <laughs> but they established it on that episode where he had the Bang 316 gun and like <laughs> yeah. Vince peed his pants. Like that was like like when the hunting gear became like right. part of his like normal attire, <laughs> right? Just saying. I think you're right. He used it a lot. It's after like the that. Donatello trench coat figure or whatever. You know what I mean? Undercover Don. Yeah, of course I do. I had that one. Right. All right. So is it is his theme better than Ric Flair's timeless theme? I like a little bit. I think know? more than a little. I think it's more exciting. I think it's they both fit the characters equally well. That's true. But I think Austin's is more pumpy up. Austin's is also another like good when he wins 
good when he comes out. It is like, a good like the celebration and the beer and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it works both ways. Okay, so and Flair we always said down. I think Flair's. You know, only sometimes does it fit the celebration. Yeah, like honestly, mm-hmm. only sometimes. You're right. Underwear taker. The underwear taker. Yeah, this is a this is tough. Like I said, uh, Undertaker fans will never forgive us yeah, for no... putting it under Randy Savage. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, no, but, you can't can't get um, around that. The thing that is interesting about Austin's is very little modification. The Undertaker, it's like always different. True, all the time. That's a very good point. Like it, even every time he re-debuts now, you know what I mean? There's always like some tweak to it. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> weird. But it's there's true. always but something. Austin, on the other hand, it's kind of like a couple of different they versions. Don't fuck that was with it. that song yeah. because they know it's good. Yeah, you don't need to fuck with that song. It's interesting that that was written like all the way back in '96, and it just kind of stuck. Yeah, and it's yeah. so basic too. Yeah, it's dun, dun, d- again. Dun, 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 it's, I've always liked that it has its roots in that like late. New Gen era. It is, though, like, yeah. It's so funny to me. It's like that, whatever, for whatever reason, that just worked. Yeah, wasn't it on Full Metal, the album? I don't know what it was. I think was it was. I think it was on WF Volume 2. Like, really? It wasn't on the first one, which was Full Metal? Oh, you might be right. Yeah, but it was very on, early. On, on Volume 2, I think, it was, was a, the first one. Which, which time you can pinpoint it to one of the WF music volumes, like, <laughs> then you, like, know. So aren't they, they're probably, like, on, like, 27 yeah, at this point. Yeah, I don't know anymore what Like, yeah. But Undertaker's theme, I think, doesn't... It, it, again, all of these now fit the character. As we work up the list, All every single one of these is going to be synonymous with the character. Mm-hmm. So in order to really narrow it down, I think we have to, to think about more of these other qualities, such as how excited does it get you, or how does it make you feel when you hear that music hit? And for me, and I was never the biggest Steve Austin fan. You never the biggest Undertaker fan either. No. Though. Undertaker, it's like, yeah, of course, the music's going to hit, he's going to walk slowly, and he's gonna, the lights will be off. And right. I, I'm not trying to distill it down the to that. The entrance is very good with the Undertaker. It's great. The, the coming in, but the going out is, doesn't make any sense. Right. Again, he should have had an outro. I'm just saying, like <laughs> mankind. If anyone wants to write an outro for Undertaker, send it over to he us. He really needs it. And, and now that Mark's just a nice guy that Hi, you know, Mark has a couple shots with Austin while they talk about their career. My music's like, better. He no, feels, mine was. He feels infinitely more approachable after that interview. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, I was like, Hi. I want to meet this guy. He, said, he seems like a nice dude. Like, but his theme, though, uh, Austin's theme, his entrance is no frills, generally. It's just storm out there to the beat of this music, practically. Yeah. It is awesome, and I think it's better than The Undertaker. I agree. I agree okay. with you. Now Hogan's going to be the first real big challenge. This is a this is a big in because Hogan is equated to the Austin. They're like the same thing for their time or whatever. Yeah, the biggest star Iconic of their time. Themes, yeah, sure. um, you know, really associated with the time period. So it, this is this is a battle of the eras to me. Yeah, and it might come down to battle of personal preference or what you grew up with or, or like the most. Yeah, but I think you know, yeah, if, yeah, if you compare it, right, both fits the character. Real both American. are rocking, you know, like they're yep. both like um, get you up, ready, up, upbeat. upbeat, yeah, they're up, a lot of high energy, you know. They both work for post match, yeah. Hogan with the hand cupping, uh, Austin, Austin with, with the, the beer, beer drinking, yep. beer cupping. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Shit, this is gonna be hard. This is a this is a tough one. Is there a reason to put Austin's above Hogan's? Mm. There might not be. Um, it almost makes me wonder, like. Is Randy Savage is even better? No than going back. Stone Cold. No going back. So it's got to be the Hucksters first. Yeah, I think so. I mean, why should Austin's be better than Hogan's? Is there any the glass breaking? I mean, yeah, it hasn't it has an intro, but then again, it, Hogan's is I am. A- <laughs> yeah, we didn't hear that that much. Yeah, that's true. It was more like, 
<laughs> yeah, the dent. A lot of dent. A lot of dent. But um, I don't know. Steve Austin. See, I think what the problem is right now is that I don't think you like Steve Austin as much as I do, but I think we like Hogan equally. Yeah, I'd and say I, we like Hogan equally. And I think that like there's that like disparity where you don't like Austin as much. Like you know uh, what I mean? Like, as you a, do, you mean? Yeah. So I don't think there's this overwhelming like love coming from you for for that. For the theme, I mean, I love the theme. We heard it all the time, practically every Monday night for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a sucker for Austin. Yeah, I know you were. I, and like, it even got to the like, you know what? It's weird. I didn't realize I liked Austin as much as I did until he was gone. Because then I was like, "Fuck, he's like the best." Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, that's when he was gone. Like, if, you know, I was I kind of got tired of him a little bit, but then like over time, I guess I, it maybe it's because he didn't overstay his welcome. He didn't. He, he left like after like five years or so. Yeah, pretty like, much at the top. Pretty and much. It was kind of like, man, this sucks that he's gone. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, because he was good. Whereas Hogan did overstay his welcome. <laughs> right. So maybe maybe that's why Austin always held a little more importance to me because he was like this like weird like phantom. Right. He was like there for a couple years. He did his thing. He was the best guy around. Right. Like, he was at Hogan levels, and then he was just off into the night, like, and you never saw him again. I'm going to tell you something. I, I like Austin's song more. But, I do, too. But actually. we need to find a... This is science, folks, so we need to scientifically find out why it should be above Hogan's. I think this is honestly just a personal, like, when you grew up thing. I really think that. I think that there's going to be some fans who, who grew up more in the Attitude Era, like us. Right. Like, And there's going to be some people who saw the rise of Hogan. And they're going to be like, Hulk Hogan's the best. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how can you even? I think Austin should be number one, actually. One? Yeah. I do, too, honestly. Like, I, looking I at this, just... I, I know we're just leapfrogging Savage, but. But um... I think overall, if you think about what makes it better than Savage's and Hogan's, it just it really feels like Steve Austin, that music. Also, Austin's music felt like a kind of profound change in the approach of wrestling music in a weird way because it's just more like there's more like hardness to it it's kind of like demolition is almost in a weird way yeah. now that it's here it's kind of like a predecessor to that right right yeah i agree and i really think if any if ever a song could sound like a wrestler that's the one yeah jim johnson just perfectly captured with that simple riff perfectly capture the essence of stone cold steve austin in audio yeah. form and i and i you know what's weird also about austin's theme i don't know a person who doesn't know that that's stone cold's theme like to this day he hasn't wrestled really regularly since like years. 2002 <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, even more right <laughs> like and still people like i think there's people who truly think they haven't watched wrestling in a long time they probably think austin still wrestles like i'm <laughs> not even kidding the like, way the people way, think hogan still did yeah like when he didn't yeah, I mean, like, Hogan, it's kind of like, he's hit the point in his life where now. it's like, people know he's like, he doesn't wrestle anymore, but they look at Stone Cold, especially because he had the, the bald head, so he looked timeless. He still does look the same. <laughs> like, there's probably people who don't watch wrestling that think Stone Cold still wrestles, and they hear that music, and they think, oh, Stone Cold's gonna come and kick some ass, right? right. right? Even though he's like 50-something now. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like 55. Yeah. I think today's his birthday. Uh, so oh, really? Something like that. So, I... <laughs> I, I have to put Austin as number one. I think it's the best song so far. Okay. I really think... I, I, I'm with you on that one. Okay. So, um, but here we go. The Demolition, though. I... The Demolition is infinitely better than Honky Donkey. Now, I think we have to say something before we go Say whatever here. you want. Say a business. I think sometimes we're hanging on the stature of the wrestler with the theme. 
And I think Demolition is a great example of a... They're a tag team. Um, they were champions three times, but they're not in the same air as some of these people. However, their theme song is, to me, on a completely different level than most wrestling themes. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah. And I think that said, it's better than Honky. No, yeah, no with, dispute. Yeah, and again, though, you know what's cool about the comparison between those two? Those are two very early examples of lyrical, like, character-based. in-house, character-written-based themes. Yep. And I think Demolition is just, probably it's like a next step. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. it's like It's like, Okay, we made the honky tonk man theme. Like, let's let's go for a more hard rock feel. They and, nailed it, and they nailed it with this. Like, and it's amazing that they nailed this so perfectly so early. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like they figured it out. Somebody saw what they look like. Yeah, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, and he just he nailed did. it. He nailed it. Yeah. Um, you could tell there's Mad Max inspiration Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Like, and yep. it, it, it it's perfect. It's, it's his crowning achievement, I think, as far as a theme song. Well, he's got a lot of good ones, but that's right. That's probably his best one. So NWO, now we're in the like, you know, this is a stock theme that was cobbled together from Jimi Hendrix it's bits. Slower, it's just not, it's, it's, it's not hard rock. Right. And, it's not in the same class as a demolition of theme. Now, I don't want you guys to think also that it's tastes that do this because I'm not like a huge hard rock person. No, um, I, there's, like certain, there's certain hard rock songs I like. You like New Order? More, you like uh, New Order or Joy Division better? Um, I think I like New Order a little bit better because... <laughs> Joy Division, it's like it's like two albums, and the second one's like it's so depressing. The second one, I the, know. the first one's really good. First one's good. Yeah, the first one's really good because it's got a, it's got a couple hopping songs in there. Yeah, there's and, some bounciness, yeah. and then you know like disorder or whatever. But um, yeah, the the rest of it, there's some sad stuff, but it's not overly heavy. But the second album is just like oh my depressing. gosh, just can you turn into New Order? Already? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like now who is your favorite band or artist while we're at it here? I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling. Big um, fan of Michael Jackson. I've I know actually this. been listening to um, Till Tuesday a lot because Till Tuesday. Amy Mann's the lead singer from like the eighties. Nope, don't know. Don't know. No. Uh, Voices carry. Ever hear that song? Probably. It's a great song. I, I've been like listening to that like album for whatever reason. It's from like nineteen eighty five, and I'm like, this is a great pop album. Like, <laughs> I don't care like how they look goofy as hell on the cover. <laughs> like, it's like eighties hair. I mean, man, there's a guy that looks like a girl. Right. There's some weird like nerd looking dude. <laughs> like, I I don't know, but I'm like, why is this band so fucking good? <laughs> like, why is this album like a perfect pop record? You know what I mean? So, Ric Flair's theme, Richard. Richard Fleer, yeah, whatever Rick, Rick Hare. Fleer, what's his last name? For Rick, Rick Hare. Yeah, his, Rick Hare. His demolition's better than it, Rick yes, Hare. Yes, it's better. <laughs> Just, I don't even have to think about that. Okay, uh, the underpants. Now, here's an example of especially Undertaker version 98, whatever. Yeah. To me, that's like the only thing that like you can square against demolition and maybe it's a fair fight. Not the funeral dirge version no, though. No, no, Yeah. But I, I think overall, like even if I'm comparing the rock undertaker 98 music, yeah, rock. is it called undertaker 98? No, that theme? Because no. it really should be like, it's like space invaders <laughs> 89 or whatever that fucking game is. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you mean. Yeah. Like to me, that's like the best name for that. But anyway, yeah, demolition better. I agree. I don't even have to like, no, I agree. I think it's when we get to Hogan. Here. Yeah. Um, Hogan's the gatekeeper right now, this upper yeah. echelon. Because I think if you beat Hogan, you kind of beat Savage. Mm, it, it, maybe. You know what I mean? Because I think Savage is a little bit better, but... I do too. Um, uh, I think that Demolition is very, very, very good. Very, again, embodies the character. 
Yeah. You know, I, it, it has that swagger. But Hogan and, and Savage's themes embody their characters perfectly, and too. And Austin's. Now, how much of that do you think, do we say, embodies the character? Hogan and Savage, they don't say the wrestler's names in the music. No, but, I know that. But I, what, what I mean by that is, is that, do you think that the wrestlers forced that thought on you by just, you know, attrition and coming out to it? Whereas Demolition is like, Possibly. this is like made for them. It says their fucking names in the song. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. a difference there. Yeah, that's true. I'm You're right. Say- You're I'm right. just saying, like. That's actually a good point. I mean, Hogan's theme wasn't even made for him. Right, exactly. Made for uh, IRS. But, but they owned it, you know, over time. Right, like, right. Like, Randy Savage. I mean, like, I feel like Randy Savage built his entrances around his music sometimes. Definitely. And, like, even the moments in his career around his music, like the hugging list when it goes, dan, 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 like, you know what I mean? Good point. Like, there's no way that Randy Savage, which we know he's like. meticulous as he yeah, was. Yeah, like, that he didn't think that through. He's like, play the music when we're about to hug. Like, you know what I mean? I put my arms on it. You started up. Yeah, like, I, I can guarantee you he probably said to do that. Yeah, you might be right about yeah. that. We're in very, very difficult territory here, Quinn. I am not sure what to do. What are you thinking? How about this? Would you <laughs> what? Would you split Savage and Hogan up and put Demolition in the middle? If, I don't think it's better than Austin's. If you could tell me why Demolition's music should be above Hogan, sure. I, I'm trying to think of why. I just think it's more fitting of the character in general. Like, I like Hogan, but honestly, Hogan, he works with both Real American and the Jimi Hendrix music and, and the Eye of the Tiger. Music, Eye of the Tiger. Good like, point. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. It's Hogan's Eye of the Tiger thing. Like, that's another big factor we keep forgetting. It's like, He's Hogan, great with Eye of the Tiger. Right, right? yeah. I mean, that's like, a great I, song for him. I think, him. actually, like, it's interesting with Hogan. He works with, like, any music you give him. Because he's Hulk Hogan. He's he, Hulk Hogan. He's a fucking, like, he just, he's a great wrestler. He's a great character. You could give him the demolition heel theme and he'd somehow make that work probably so he so the theme needs him more than he needs the theme right yeah but in this case this theme that was made for demolition and again we're ranking the theme so if the theme does that much to enhance a wrestler then the theme is really good yeah now with randy savage on the other hand the only reason i have problems with giving demolition it and not that Demolition's given me great emotional moments before and like meaning like but it's in a different way. It's like happy and like charging down and like making a save or you yeah. know, just being strong. WrestleMania but six is their best entrance. Savage gives me both out of it. It's like this glorious wrestler, but also like this, you know, what a man, what a woman. Like that, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The hugging. And yeah. It's like it's kinda like there's a little more depth there. And even Austin's music, I can say the same thing because, you know, not that his does his music play after he gets like bloodied up or something like when they take him away afterwards it, like, what, like after, Bre- after like Brett leaves yeah after he stuns Kyoto I think it is or something like that right like I after think so. Brett leaves I feel like his music plays again it probably does yeah but it's not it wouldn't even also be the first time it's because Austin is kind of also the like this when he fights out of something even after he, even if he lost his music would play sometimes yeah. you know what I mean it's yeah. just I don't know like Steve Austin again he gives me that equal footing with the like emotional moments and stuff <laughs> with demolition uh, with uh, randy savage too to show how important pomp and circumstances i know it's the graduation song or whatever but he made it work randy savage without pomp and circumstance is some sorry shit what if you look like, yeah oh my god yeah. like, he needed this song or it grew to need or it. this song needed him one or the other one, but- one way or another i love it yeah i don't know i i want to put demolition higher 
Give me a reason. I don't know if I have one. It's hard because they, this is where the wrestler might limit the song, unfortunately. And I didn't, this is why I wanted to mention that before we started. I think it's a testament to the song, how high it is up here, like how strong a song it is. Yeah. That like, then the wrestler starts kind of like it, it, it barely, and the stre- moments and the things like that by Hogan. Yeah. Like, I just like think it's barely, a better song than Hogan's, but yeah. you're right. Eventually you have to get into these more fine tuned aspects which is moments and emotional catharsis and things like that. Not that three peat wasn't a great moment for demolition at, at WrestleMania yeah, six true, and, and their and their music, of course. But I, I mean, how do you top WrestleMania seven and the music combined? Or anything you, Savage did really. Or Austin <laughs> and, and getting you know, walking on his own power away with yeah. the blood. And face Austin just coming out every week with yeah. that. I will very reluctantly and bracing myself for the comments here, leave demolition at three if you want to. I'll do it. Um, still very high hey, for a- you know me. I, I I would gladly put it at one, but this late in the game here um, probably has something to do with it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, if it would have been drawn first, it might be sitting at the top this for a entire weeks time. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, I'm okay with this list. I, I think Steve Austin, Randy Savage, Demolition. <sighs> that's a strong top three. That's true. Yeah, it is science anyway. And Hulk Hogan even in there. In yeah, the it's mix. a Rushmore right yeah. there. Yeah, right top sure. four. Yeah, that's really good. Are you want to lock it in here officially? Officially, yeah. you want to put demolition above Savage? No, okay. I, I don't think I can. All I, right, because Savage has that just unique. It can be touching. You know what I mean? Like that. It's not all just Ugh. like you know. Like, and it could also be used as a heel theme too. Right. There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot you can like do with that. Yeah. You okay. know what I mean? All right. Well, then we're gonna lock it in for this week. This is our top eight on the board, folks. Why don't we uh, run them down for you? The new number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number two, hanging very strong, Randy Savage. And by a hair at number three, The Demolition. Just barely beat the Hucks here. And speaking of hair, Hogan doesn't have any, and he is at number four. At number five, The Undertaker. Respectable. Yeah, okay. Six, Ric Flair. Seven, the NWO theme. And pulling up the rear there is the Honky Tonk Man's Cool Cocky Bad. Yeah. Still upset that this even made it. But <laughs> anyway, really mad about that. It's because you hate him. No, it's not. It's just I think there's better songs. Anyway. That is our top eight. Those are the best themes of all time. Be sure to let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Send us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we haven't been to Memphis in a really long time. Mm. But I have a feeling everything's going to still pretty much be the same. Yes, probably. (laughs) We're reviewing the USWA, and that is coming up right after this. So turn it on and crank it up. WWF The Music Volume 4, featuring Oh Hell Yeah by the H-Box. I'm a madman. The entrance themes of your favorite WWF superstars. 14 new releases in one badass CD. WWF The Music Volume 4, available now. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 157. Joe Murata, along with the Irishman, 
Michael Quinn. Yep, that's me. That's you. And uh, Quinn, before we get into Memphis, we have to mention that there are some uh, great retro wrestling podcasts out there that are not in any way, shape, or form affiliated with the Conrad Thompson Empire. No, nor are they from the New York area, really. Yeah, right, no. And nor are they affiliated with the WWE Empire of podcasts. Yes, the, the newly <laughs> newly minted empire. Very All minty. two podcasts yeah. that they have right now. That's right. But folks, these are our friends of the show, and we want to shout them out for you. Check them out. Let's start with the wrestling podcast about nothing that is WPAN, hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business, unlike Quinn and myself. Kind of kind of like the WWE, really. Yeah, they've basically. worked in the business. They've worked they? in the business. That's right. Yeah. They know the wrestling from the inside, and they know it from a fan's perspective. It's hosted by mean Mike Crockett, who is a very retired referee. The biggest of daddies, yes. the meanest of Mikes, and he does, all the titles, of he, course. He does not referee anymore. He just says that he's on an extended hiatus, but I don't know when he's coming just back. Just leaving the that. door open, I guess. I guess so. Just in case. Close the door, Mike. Yeah. No, but really, it's a great uh, show. It's hosted by him and ROH's own, a real wrestler from Real Wrestling, the brawler Brian Malonis. Yeah, maybe a future tag champ from Wine City. Yes. Um, <laughs> gotta, gotta rep that Wine City, right? Yes, he teams with the uh, Beer City Bruiser, that is Brian Malonis, and these guys do a nice show. Like I said, they grew up as fans of wrestling, but they've also worked in the business, so you're going to get some really good insight and discussion and analysis about the current scene and the indie scene, the New England Matt Wars. Only New England, of Only course. New, but we don't have Matt Wars down no, no. here. So check out the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. And then also, if you like your retro wrestling podcast hosted by one very quirky individual. Critically all, acclaimed guy, man. Critically acclaimed paste magazine. Yeah, you know, Inches magazine. Gun and, guns and ammo. Smith and Weston magazine. <laughs> Black and Decker catalogs. Check, check, out, check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by young Peter Winson. He takes you on a uh, psychedelic journey of a retro wrestling show. It could be anything, WWF, WCW, Mid-South, you name it. And what he'll do is as he reviews an old episode of wrestling, he'll talk about other things. Yeah. Anything. Um, like cat, cat, cat stuff. Cat-related, feline-related yeah. feline, stories. Um, weddings. Going to we- yeah, I was going to say going to weddings. Weddings that all, he's attended. All that, kinda, all that things that, that you do when you talk about wrestling, really. Yeah, you know, trips that he's been on, things like that. His friend Merrill, all sorts of stuff. The Boston Bruins. <laughs> yeah, the Boston Bruins. The uh, Boston Strangler, you name yeah. it. <laughs> that was a person, yeah. <laughs> so check out Greetings from Allentown. G.F. Allentown. And also, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, y'all. And check- a side of grits, of course. Uh, grits, You too. haven't said the grits in a while. On this. That's right. They have grits. Yeah. And gravy. You put the gravy onto your biscuits. That's true. <laughs> check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew of uh, misfits there as they take you on a journey through the NWA Crockett era and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It is the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Right. They don't book the territory. They no. just talk about the booking of that of territory. That territory. That's See, right. Don't I, don't, I don't want to mislead, false advertise yeah. or anything on here. I want you to know what you're getting into when you go to that territory that they book. That's right. But they don't book. They sorry. Don't book they don't mean to be confusing. It's okay. So check out these three friends of the show. That's right. We're talking about the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. Quinn, speaking of territories. Right. I was going to say, this is Ooh. this is quite the territory, isn't it? It has been quite some time since we've gone down to Memphis. Now, the Memphis wrestling scene the was... same fucking people yeah. all the time. <laughs> since, what, the 60s when yeah. it was the Jackie Fargo days. Right. And then it was basically Jerry Lawler inherited the throne and became the king of Memphis in the 70s. That was his stomping grounds. That's where he was generally the booker, the top star, 
And an all-around great performer was Jerry Lawler. I feel like they should call this territory Jerry's Friends. Jerry and Friends. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) It it is. It's like if it's all the people we know are connected to him somehow. One of the good things about Memphis is it was a good breeding ground for young talent, and some good stars came out of Memphis. Uh, I believe it was Bobby Heenan once put it, no one went to Memphis to make money. You either started off there or you finished your career there. Yeah, that's just kind of the place nice, it nice fell into. Nice little cradle, if you will. Nicely said. Yeah, it was a little cradle where basically you either were starting off there and breaking in, or maybe you were getting one last payday going down out there. to pasture. Going yeah. out to pasture, exactly. And this period of time that we're covering, which is October twenty third to be specific, nineteen ninety three, the USWA, which had been formed in nineteen ninety with uh, Jerry Jarrett. Yeah, and their like attempt to be a big deal and it didn't Correct. really work. So yeah. it's not even like close. This is like this is like past when they tried. Oh yeah, like, no, this they- is when they're like, you know what? We're just going to be like a fucking feeder system right. for WF. Like, Pretty much, that's, like what they are. Pretty much, and they had initially worked with World Class around 1990, and that was that ended quickly. So yeah, they're pretty much a, uh, they're doing their own thing, you know, on TV. They're beloved down there in their area. Obviously, Lance Russell was a big part of it, uh, being on WMC Studios, I think. And it was just a nice, you know, down home wrestling kind of show, and people tuned in and loved it. And I like this era too, again because of that WWF association. It's kind of like Vince is like cool with this company. Oh he's, yeah, he's just like I like this place. Like he went, he went to be a heel there before the Mister McMahon character. Absolutely. You know? Like, nice so, said. like Vince was a okay with them existing. It was just like let them do their thing. They're not a threat to us. Not in at fact, all. They're training our future talent. Correct. So it's like just let them do it. Absolutely. And one of the things that came out of Vince hiring Jerry Lawler in late '92 to be an announcer and part-time wrestler is they also entered into a working relationship with the USWA. And Vince did send a lot of guys down there in '93 to you know get bookings down there and to is, help elevate USWA. I, I don't know everything about the indie scene. Is, is Do you know if, if does Memphis exist in some form or fashion at all anymore? You know, I'm not going to pretend to know the answer to that. I'm yeah. sure it does. but Yeah. Because even after the USWA folded in 97, Jerry Lawler still did That's some what I mean. promoting like I always, down there. Like and, I always get the impression that Jerry's always doing something yeah. in the area. Like maybe it's just weekend shows and maybe it's not like a, but it's a, again, it's a feeder trade, training ground maybe before they send people to NXT or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, and that's a lot of guys came out of this territory and we're going to see some of them today. So this is, this is just something we wanted to do, you know, get away from the WF a little bit more again and go down to, uh, been visiting the South a lot this season, you know? Yeah, and, but we'll be back to the WF soon. Yeah, so. next week actually, we'll yeah. be coming back to the WF. Stay tuned for that. But Quinn, let's get into it right now. This is USWA, October the 23rd, 1993, and we open with a rather short, inoffensive CGI intro. Yeah, this was actually, like, okay. Like, somewhat okay. (laughs) I I was, this is one of the most, like, inoffensive CGI logos. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it was, like, cool. Yeah, it was was fine, right? It was fine. Like, it didn't look like shit. No, no, it looked good. Uh, We're joined in the studio here by Dave Brown. Yeah, not from the Giants. Not the Giants quarterback. This was the, uh, actually the weatherman for this TV station that was also a big part of the Memphis programming, Mm -hmm. and I like him a lot, and he's joined by Corey Macklin. Hello again, everybody. Dave Brown and Corey Macklin right here at ringside, ready to go with another big day of USWA Championship Wrestling, a jam-packed show coming up today. Oh, boy, can I hardly wait for this one. And they're both very jolly. Yeah, Quinn. very excited. They're yeah. like, well, I can't wait to watch this wrestling. They're here. so happy about yeah. it. It's they, actually they nice. They seem like they lo- want to be here. Corey Macklin, I mean, he was Mr. Memphis. They, he unfortunately passed away 
uh, I want to say like six years ago no, in a car accident. That's sad. He's a young kid here, Corey Macklin. He's probably 23 years old. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like a baby here. He eventually started running cards down there and took over some oh, stuff. Really? He, so was he was really like into it. Deep embedded oh, into yeah. the, the Memphis business. Huh? Yeah. And Dave Brown, like I said, a weatherman that also did this. And they're just a lot of fun. Uh, they run down the car, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys. But Dave Brown does say we're going to see a video of a Survivor Series match. What? So let's see what that's all about later. <laughs> it's, it, that, that shows you right there they have the, the hookup with WF. Yeah, right. They're just like, we're going to use the names. <laughs> it's and not even November yet. It's like, who gives a shit? Like we, it's like Vince is like giving us the blessing and we're going to go with and it. And we're going to go with it, exactly. Yeah. Also, apparently the tag belts have been held up, according to Eddie Marlin. More on that later. I feel like every single company we ever do, it's like some, <laughs> something with the tag belts. It's like, yeah. they're always in jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> always someone's missing or they're yeah. vacant or something yeah. like yeah. that. That. Uh, we throw right to break and we see some very 90s ladies in the crowd mm-hmm. there uh, and we come back where pg-13 makes the yeah, remember them <laughs> good lord <laughs> this <laughs> team <laughs> this is by the way this ring is rather derelict don't you think it looked like it was about to fall apart you know what i, you know what I think what? actually i don't think it's falling apart you know what my problem is there's no skirt um, there's no ring skirt yeah, yeah so that's just, the exact problem it's like it's probably just what a ring looks yeah, like when there's no ring skirt it on it it just bad. makes it look like it's falling apart but to be honest with you i saw them jumping around it was pretty sturdy looking to me you know i actually thought this whole place looked way too sterile you think so yeah like, not dirty enough for you no it looked like a fucking rec center like there was an area by us sports and stuff when oh, i yeah. was a kid back in the day um it looked like that like that freshly plastered <laughs> wall like way too clean like yeah. they, they put like one like little light thing on a wall in the shape of a <laughs> what, star a, a sconce yeah like like almost like look it it looks nice look it, how nice it looks it's just too clean very clean yeah very clean studio their opponents in this piece of crap ring are mike anthony and jeff gaylord uh mm-hmm. <laughs> who was also quinn jeff gaylord the Black Knight at Survivor Series 93. Yeah, this Jeff Gaylord, I thought I've even heard this name <laughs> yeah. before. We've be seen him on something else, too. Yeah, he seems like some guy that, that made his journeyman, if you will. Yeah, Made sucked. his way around. Yeah. He sucked. PG-13 has a, a little person with them, by the way. I feel like PG-13 should be doing something with, like, devil sticks at the boardwalk. <laughs> like, he's got the stupid hat on. Yeah, the, like, purple the, hat. The purple top hat thing. You know those, like, but it's made of, like, felt. You know, you know from, like, the 90s, yes. it's like the cat in the hat. It's hat. real. It's awful. Dave Brown makes fun of it. It's J.C. It's Ice that has it on. <laughs> yeah. What kind of hat is that that, uh, that uh, J.C. Ice had on there? But for a minute, the Mad Hatter, I thought Alice in Wonderland uh, was uh, going on for a minute. Now, Mike Anthony looks like one of those uh, generic early 90s WWF guys. fun types. (laughs) Yeah. You know the guys that they would push for like two months, you know, like Chris Walker or one of those? That's him. That's Mike Anthony. Yeah. Now, is this Tony Anthony's brother? Is he related in any way? No. It's also not no relation to the basis from Van Halen, Michael Anthony. So anyway, Ice and Anthony star. We get a drop total by Anthony. Corey Macklin talks about how uh, PG-13 wrestles in shorts. <laughs> I still can't believe PG-13 did other wrestling. They're like tiny, well, besides this, you mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> They're what? so small. I thought they were rappers for real when I, I was a kid. I can't believe you thought that. Because I was like, they can't be wrestlers. Look at them. They're like my size. Like, no joke. <laughs> oh, they like, are small. To this, like, like, as an adult, I feel like I could take them. Like, they're that small. I would pay a ticket to see that. Seriously, Quinn versus Wolfie D. They're about the same size as probably me, right? five nine, five ten. You know, one hundred and fifty, maybe not even. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So yeah. Ap- apparently, that little person with them is uh, 
Midget D, they say. <laughs> what the fuck? So I'd have like my Ice Irish Whip by Anthony, Shoulder Block by Anthony, Leapfrog, and a Monkey Flip, Arm Drag here. I gotta say, though, I love the enthusiasm that the announcers have. They are oh, yeah, so they, into they, this. They really like this, and this is a piece of shit. <laughs> I know, but it's saying. so great. Well, you don't know what to expect from this PG-13. Yeah. They have their own style. I oh, yeah, they do. Russell and uh, Shorts, they say, come from the hood. Armbar by Anthony. Uh, Jeff Gaylord's nickname apparently is the Missouri Tiger. What does that mean? Is there tigers there? Hey, tiger. There's like tigers in like like India or something. I thought that's like where they're from. Yeah, it's true. Well, nothing says badass Quinn like Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> here, here comes the tiger with his stupid tassels. Wolfie D and now when he kicks ass to start. And Monkey D, whatever his name is. Gaylord and Wolf. It sounds like I'm watching a buddy cop show or something. Shaking the fat man. Gaylord and Wolf. It sounds like a yeah. law firm. I couldn't even like keep their names straight. That's like literally why that like Monkey D came Monkey out. I was like, D. who? Like, I, I don't know. Irish whip and a nice drop kick by Wolfie there, but he misses another, and Gaylord gets a slingshot right into JC Ice. Roll up by Gaylord gets a half account because the ref is all fat and old. That's yeah, this ref, Frank Morell. Oh, oh, fucking show. He's so show. shitty. I know. He's so shitty, <laughs> He's Joe. terrible. It's like having Gilberto the whole time. It is, but like Gilberto now. And fatter and taller and yeah, bigger. Just lumbering. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony and now off the top of the forum in a clothesline corner whip, but Wolfie gets the foot up on the charge. Ice back in. Double Irish whip and a double drop kick. Gaylord is meanwhile wandering around outside being chased by the midget. I'm this not midget, making that this up. Midget stuff is, it's so stupid. It's so Memphis, it's you know so what I mean? It's so Memphis, I can't even believe it. <laughs> All four men are now in the ring, but Midget D comes in with a hubcap. <laughs> that one guy, I was... I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? what is this? The ref calls for the bell as the faces toss the midget around. Good. He deserved it that time. He, he got what was coming to him. Even Dave Brown gets a big hearty laugh out of that. Yeah, He's like, oh. it's, they're like, they're literally like doing a double midget toss. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. It's real. Now, another midget <laughs> dressed in a red, white, and blue striped bodysuit comes in. Shit, am I watching? It's like, Little Eagle, Quinn. I'm not making it up. Sorry. <laughs> little God. Eagle. Little. <laughs> little. Should be illegal. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, Dropkick by Eagle to Midget D. And I have a feeling that. that <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What are these names? Midget D. <laughs> it's real. I have a feeling that Little Eagle is Tiger Jackson. It looked like the same How stubbiness. Tiger Jackson, he's like, Dink. he like inherited the little beaver, like going to be here forever shit. Yes, <laughs> pretty much, right? Uh, the winners by DQ, in case you care, are Mike Anthony and Jeff Gaylord. I didn't even know or care who won that because... I don't know. It was just like fun. It was. Like, it, was it, didn't, short. it didn't matter who won. <laughs> no, it was easy. Yeah. Uh, Dave Brown is now with the USWA president or commissioner, Duke, steward, whatever, Eddie Marlin. He's like an old hick, basically. <laughs> ah! just, I'm like, what? Like, he doesn't even, I swear they don't say his like title. Like, they just, no, they don't. He's just like, ha, I want the belt. Bring out the belt. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> well, he's here to talk about the titles being held yeah. up. I'm honestly more concerned about his pants holding up that gut, honestly. But anyway, Mike Anthony and one of the Moondogs God, were the, the Moondogs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says Memphis like the Moondogs, oh, man. Boy. Apparently, Mike Anthony and one of the Moondogs were the tag champions, but now they're not because Anthony didn't want to become a Moondog or something. That's, oh, sorry. That's the real reason. He didn't want to wear jean he didn't shorts. He want to wear the jean shorts and dye his hair yellow. Uh, so Marlon wants Richard Lee to come out, who I'm assuming is the Moondogs manager. Okay. 
So he does come out. He's got like this dumpy suit on with a teal baseball cap. I, his coat is like poo colored. <laughs> like it literally is the color of shit. Like those earthquake tights that one time. Yeah, yeah it's that color. Yeah. Like fell off the rope on Saturday Night's Main Event or whatever. <laughs> the, the clip they show at WrestleMania 6. Yeah, where he's like on the rope, but he like Hogan knocks him yeah. off dumbly. Looks like he's going to take a poo on Hogan. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> That'll register on the Richter scale there. Mm-hmm. Marlon gives Lee shit about all of this, and Lee's like, hey, Mike Anthony was only filling in until he can get Moondog Splat to come Excuse back. Excuse me? Moondog Splat! <laughs> it's like the Nickelodeon gack version of, like, a Moondog, I swear. Splat! So stupid. Now, Eddie, Eddie Marlon with the very good point. He's like, whoever wins the tag belt is the champions, you Richard. No shit. <laughs> like, but that's how this works, usually. Just because he's I a little crybaby is none of my business. But whoever wins the belt is the champion, so you're not the champion. No, we are the champion. So then Richard Lee and Eddie Marlin have like an actual tug of war over the this, belts. What an absolute... This is amazing <laughs> because like literally this guy, like this old hick guy. Eddie Marlin. He's just like, he don't take shit. No. Like, unlike most of them who just like let stuff happen. Right. Like, this guy's like, I'm going to fucking fight you. He physically like, tries to say, give me the fucking belts, basically. And then the Moondogs come out and they really uh, rough up Eddie Marlin. Thank you. <sighs> Gaylord and Anthony now storm out to chase the dogs away. What a scene. Who let the dogs out anyway? Woof, woof. Thank you. Uh, Gaylord <laughs> gets all upset about all of this, and they pick up a hilariously disheveled Eddie Marlin, like his shirt's all torn, and he's yelling about how there's going to be a tag tournament, and it's going to be good. Now, I love how he's, like, ranting with, the, like, his fat <laughs> showing. Like, he's already better than Tunny. I know! And even Mishima, because that fucker, like, doesn't even ever come down his mountain or whatever. Shinma. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. So anyway, we go to break and we come back where Dave and Corey are talking about Eddie Marlin being upset with Vince McMahon and all of his gloating yeah, lately. That's funny that they brought that up. <laughs> yep. yeah. And apparently Eddie had booked a match uh, at the Mid-South Coliseum recently where Doink, mm-hmm. Coco Beware, and Shawn Michaels what? teamed up against Jerry Lawler, Jeff Jarrett, and Brian Christopher. Why did HBK like lower himself? To- like this seems like he, well, in all honesty, he seems above this. No, no joke, because he's like the number. I would say like he's like the number two guy in '93, and like the whole fucking WF. Like, well, Luger, Bret Hart, Luger, Brett. Yeah, but Sean's like in that underpants taker. Yeah, he's like Yakazuma. Conversation is my top point. five. Maybe. Yeah. Well, interesting fact about Sean here: he was on his WWF suspension at this point. Oh, do you think this is like a, so, so he could get a, a buck? Because yeah. Nobody knows, like, what happened there, because, like, Sean is still insistent there was no drugs. He doesn't remember. Vince doesn't give a shit, even. Vince doesn't talk. He doesn't mention it ever. (laughs) Like, nobody's, nobody still to this day knows what happened there. Uh, Half of me is like, was this just a kayfabe thing so that they could get him... Off to the side. Over the years, so. they wrote they they wrote in that it was drugs, so they I could make them so. make up a reason. And Sean's still like, I I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I don't know why they they just told me to go home for three months or something. Like I don't know because it doesn't make any sense why he would lie about it to this day. Like he's told us everything. Montreal, all yeah, this other like, stuff. I, I, I don't understand like what this is. We want to hear your thoughts on why Shawn Michaels was suspended. Send it to Ogden, Utah. Right and. Why it's more interesting here is that clearly Vince is letting him like barnstorm to like do something for three months. Yeah, he's getting and, like, him a making, making a buck, you know, ten dollars, whatever it is, down it's here. something. Because I'm sure he gets like some money when he's off too. I'm sure there was yeah. some kind of agreement. Uh, but we actually now see some highlights of this match 
where Eddie Marlin is talking to Coco Ware, as they mm-hmm. say on the outside. Now, Coco attacks Eddie and then is immediately jumped by the King and Double J. Sean and King duke it out outside while Jared and Coco are brawling. And by the way, they claim this is a Survivor Series match, but there's like not enough people. <laughs> it's like three on three. Yeah, I don't man fucking understand what this is. I guess is elimination any, rules. I guess there's elimination. Yeah, yeah okay. Whatever. There are. Uh, so we clip now to King kicking Sean's ass in the ring. Pile driver. And then <laughs> Brian Christopher gets the pit. Brian Christopher pinned Shawn Michaels. Very home territory <laughs> shit know, here, right? by the way. This is like only in Memphis would Shawn ever lose to that loser. <laughs> it's not canonized in WWF. This never happened, this- you know? Uh, clip now to Jarrett hitting the Sunset Flip on Coco for two. Meanwhile, Lawler and Doink are brawling in the corner. Shawn shittily like, comes back in the ring and nails Lawler with a foreign object. And Coco eliminates the king. That's now, weird. Very weird, right? And what is with the pins in this? Like, <laughs> no. all these, like, people are, like, out of character getting, like, big victories here. Heal Coco beware, and he's wearing the high-energy green pants, by the way. He doesn't have anything else. <laughs> in case you wanted to know. Doink and Jared are now in the ring, and Coco sneaks in to nail Jared with a foreign object. Doink eliminates Jared. No. What? Really weird. Uh, meanwhile, Doink now holds Brian Christopher, and Coco comes off the second rope with a chop, but Christopher ducks. Doink gets nailed. Doink is eliminated. So this is not looking good when the only hope for Team WWF is Coco Beware. Yeah, what the, yeah but then again, Coco Beware is like a heavy hitter in this, yeah, man. Like, what apparently. the fuck? So Christopher with a body slam. Meanwhile, Doink is distracting the ref. Sean hops back in with a foreign object, but Christopher ducks. Doink gets nailed instead. Christopher tosses Sean out of the ring and gets the pin. Team USWA wins. <sighs> What? Like, that would never happen. I know. Uh, all three WWF guys beat down Brian Christopher for fun. Sean nails an assisted pile driver. Macklin tells us that this was a 30-minute match. Holy Lord. shit. Yeah. We're still beating down Christopher until finally King and Jarrett storm in. This beatdown was, like, way too long, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, it took so long for them to come down. Like, minutes. Yeah. Uh, I should also mention <laughs> Jarrett's stupid nickname here. They keep saying it. the fabulous what one. What is that? They, they not original. They never called him that. <laughs> never like, ever. I don't. I don't even remember that in USWA when we've seen him. <laughs> no, I don't. Do they well, even call him it like later on in the show when he's out? Like, yeah, I, they do. Okay. Horrible. Uh, back to Dave and Corey, where Brian Christopher comes out. <laughs> His music's "I'm Too Sexy," by the way, which is very apropos for like Grandmaster Sex A Definitely over here. Is yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that that was like back then. Yeah, ninety three. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that. Uh, apparently, Eddie Marlin picked this USWA team using a computer. We're told. What is the? You know what the funny thing is? I don't know if this is like getting heat or something, but they keep saying like. There he is, Brian Christopher, the third best guy, like, yeah, as if, yeah. like as if they're like making fun of him or something. Because he's a heel. Right, the computer said he was the third <laughs> yeah. best guy, so not, I guess even, he not is. even the second. No, no, no. <laughs> so he's still acting like a heel, because he should be, because he yeah. is a heel still. Yeah, it's weird. He's heel, but he's the hero yeah. here, and they're like complimenting him, and I, I don't know what this is about. That guy was born to be a heel. Brian oh, Christopher. Yeah. I mean, he's got a face you want to punch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So he makes fun of the WWF guys and how little small USWA beat their asses. Again, as I want to punch him <laughs> in the face for being annoying <laughs> it's as <true>. usual. He- <laughs> God, he's, <laughs> he's aggravating. He does make a good point, though, that he was the only one on his own team that survived. And always shitting on King. Like, why? Like, why does he hate his dad? Like, what is that? I don't know. Well, they didn't really always get along in real life, right? Or did they? I mean... I don't think they did. The impression that I always got was that, like, King really liked him, but Brian Christopher did. 
Is that I, what it was? I think that was the the disagreement. Maybe because King kept marrying people younger than his but own also son. Also, that King kept getting disappointed that he couldn't like get off the, the drugs. Or I know that King said that before. Well, because King was notoriously or famously straight laced. Right. Never did drugs, so, didn't drink or anything. I don't know. There was some tension because of this. Right. Understood. Yeah. Uh, so now Brian Christopher talks about how we got this tag title tournament coming up and how he called Eddie Marlin on the telephone to arrange Jeff Jarrett being his tag partner and Jeff Jarrett accepted. So these two bozos are going to be in the tournament as a mm-hmm. team. Suddenly now, Doink <laughs> and Reggie B. Fine wander out. There's so much Doink on this <laughs> show, by the way. Have you noticed doink. this? This is a lot of Doink. Now, Reggie, he was like a mainstay in USWA. He's, I like this Reggie he's guy. Funny. He's good. He's got a Shaq Orlando Magic jersey on. And <laughs> Very he's, 90s. And he said that Coco would be here, but he missed his flight. Mm-hmm. He then calls the WWF the greatest organization in the world. Yeah. And he says that Brian Christopher has no business trying to rag on Doink and Coco. It's true, actually, but... <laughs> it is. Reggie and be good. Or Reggie, be, <laughs> Reggie be good. Yeah. He's good. Now, Brian Christopher does have a funny line about not needing to listen to Doink giggling up over there. Yeah, funny. and they all yell at each other and challenge each other, you know, because wrestling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, well... Very Memphis. Yeah. I'm going to challenge you. No, I'm going to challenge you. Right, let's right, do it right yeah, now. Let, let's wrestle. <laughs> basically. That, I want to wrestle. Like, predictably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Christopher heads to the ring for his match against Sergeant O'Reilly Who? while Doink and Reggie linger around the announce table. By the way, there's no way that guy is a real sergeant. He, <laughs> what a schmuck. Like, seriously, he looks like shit. He does, with like Zubas or whatever. Yeah, he looks like crap. So Christopher actually also has Too Sexy on his tights already, which I also didn't know. I didn't realize this Too Sexy thing was so... I thought that was WWF thing. Yeah, Too Sexy, and then he was Grandmaster. Yeah. Exactly. Right, exactly. A grandmaster of sex, eh, of course. There can only be one. Uh, punches and a hip toss by Brian, Snapmare, and a fist drop, not Irish whip. Nice drop kick by Brian Christopher. Vertical suplex and a leg drop, but Brian doesn't cover, and he instead taunts Doink and Reggie on the outside. He's such a fuck. <laughs> like, seriously. He's such a heel. Yeah. He really is. How are we supposed to root for him? He stinks. I guess if you're in Memphis, you're like, well, the WWF are the bad guys, you know? Still, <laughs> Reggie's not from WF. No, he's not. Corner whip, super kick by Christopher, but Doink and Reggie storm into the ring now. Fat ref uh, Frank Morell calls for the bell as Jeff Jarrett slides in to even the odds. <sighs> the heels all bail and hightail it backstage, and the crowd, I don't know why, chants whoop, there it is. Whoop? <laughs> whoop. You mean whoop? Whoop. 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 Jared unfortunately talks and says nothing of any value whatsoever. He's attempting to draw a dime. I don't even know how these two are faces. They're so fucking annoying. Jared, like, is always a face in USWA, and he sucks. He's terrible. He's not likable. Like, that was a good decision to turn him heel when he yeah. made it to WF. Seriously. Like, he sucks. He sucks so much. And Brian Christopher's just a little dick. Yeah, but I'm going to be honest, Gwen. Brian Christopher is much more charismatic than Jeff Jarrett. It's true. He really Jeff is. Jeff Jarrett comes off as a guy that, like, he's like an Armstrong. Like, it's like he just expected everything to get handed to him. Like, seriously. And Brian Christopher didn't even use his dad's last name. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, it was I mean, obvious it's his son. Well, but. I mean, they went out of their way to, like, joke that they're not related. Especially in WWF. Remember, yeah. oh, he reminds me of you, King, and stuff like that. Yeah, for all the problems Brian Christopher had, I felt like he had more talent than Jeff Jarrett. You, like, you might be on to something. It's just like drugs, basically. Drugs and timing and career yeah. trajectory. You know but what I mean? Jarrett didn't kind of have some of those same problems. He didn't True. Have, you know? I like Jarrett and everything, but I don't think he's like I like Jarrett good. the person. Yeah. I don't like him. Yeah. I don't like the wrestler. He's not good. Yeah. Like, he's not. By all intensive purposes, like Jeff Jarrett's known as like a very nice guy. Absolutely. But yeah, like, he is. But as far as like 
in the business and, and that, stuff. Ugh. It's like he's kind of like he goes into business for himself. Basically. And that fiery baby face thing yeah. just doesn't work with him. Yep. He just stinks. Anyway, we get <laughs> Brian Christopher's trademark laugh as he walks away. You know the one that's similar to King's, but it's yep. worse? Yep. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like actually worse. It's like the NWO laugh. <laughs> so you just show up because you're looking at the new tag team champions, baby. <laughs> Now, Corey Macklin is so jolly at his desk, by the way. I love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the junkie ring, where referee Frank Morell huffs and puffs his way in. And now we have one of the American Eagles. <laughs> well, he's dead. Also, his outfit is way too American. Yeah, or oh, something. it's red, white, yeah. and blue fucking bodysuit thing. It's like wallpaper on his <laughs> face. It's like horrible. Now, I looked this up because apparently this was a tag team. You know who they are? What? The Nightmares. So one of them, are you what? One of them was Danny Davis, of course, and one of them was face. Ken Wayne. Yeah, which one's blob? I, I don't know which one is which here. Oh, I don't boy. know which one we're seeing, but his opponent is Doink <laughs> again. <laughs> Doink's in his regular like good 1993 gear, but he has the stringy hair. It's poor. You don't like the stringy? Like, I I think I put a note. I was like, his hair is extra dumpy. It's like too stringy. What's what's your favorite Doink hair? Like long, it's a little more long, curly. curly. Yeah, it's it's curly, but it's. Thick, so it's not doesn't look too curly, like down curly, not puffed up curly, right? right not that fro version. <laughs> that, that, that shit's bad. I'm talking the one that it's like this hair. It's yeah. just not straightened. It's like it's like somebody took the curling <laughs> iron or whatever that is, yeah. or the Stra- straightening iron, the straightening iron, yes. and like took it to the doink hair. Like it's all it's awful. I'm sorry. Uh, we get a lock lock up and doink with a leg sweep, but he misses an elbow. Circle a lock up and a hip toss by Eagle. Doink <laughs> complains of a hair pull. You mean it's, a wig pull? Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's such a great spot. because It's, it's it a wig. Hurt him. Yeah. yeah. And Corey's like, well, I don't see any green stuff laying on the mat. Uh, circle again. Doink with a boot and a bunch of punching. Yeah, very stally. Very Memphis. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Irish whip reversed by Eagle. Leapfrog by Doink, but he misses an elbow and gets hip tossed and then body slammed. Doink bails and takes a six count outside the ring. Who is this Doink anyway? Do you know? Is it Brooklyn Brawler or something? It's the guy in the clown suit in the ring. Stop. It's Matt Bourne. Oh, that is Matt It's Bourne. still Matt Bourne, it's yeah. It's legitimate Matt yeah, Bourne. Yeah, it's the actual okay. Matt Bourne. Okay. Uh, lock up a wrist lock and an arm drag by Eagle. Doink with punches and Irish whip. Neck breaker by Doink and then a body slam. Reverse DDT by Doink gets two. Corner- it's long for this, by <laughs> It way, is long. It's, just, yeah. it's very competitive. It's not really a squash. Yeah. Corner whip by the Doinkster and then some laughing. Irish whip and a clothesline. Macklin references uh, Anthony Hardaway uh, getting signed as Doink lays in some stops. And the announcers, like, happily don't care about <laughs> yeah. this match, by the way. They're just, like, talking about other things. Yeah. Oh, a lot of money there, huh? Yeah. Uh, Snapmare gets two. Who the hell pins someone off a of Snapmare, by the way? You gotta, you gotta make an effort, at least, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It, it looks like it hurts. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Eagle with a sunset flip for two, and he makes a comeback with some punches all the way up top with a crossbody for two. Doink pulls something out of his boot and whacks Eagle with it for the win. <laughs> it was either a piece of paper or nothing. Like, I guarantee you. It is Memphis, right? Yeah, so it's, it's probably like, nothing. It's, probably, it's absolutely nothing, but it's possible it was a piece of paper. <laughs> that, my, the piece of paper one is always my favorite because that's literally it's, it's it might nothing. as well be nothing. Yeah. It's like, a great spot, though, because it just yeah. relies on psychology. Yeah, it is. It's, it's smart. It's yeah. safe. Is the piece of paper the implication that it's like a bag of nickels or something you know what i mean like it's like that it's like a wrapped up something in there yeah I guess. Like, yeah, yeah i guess so, or a piece of metal or something yeah, like I that don't know. brass knucks it always looks like just a piece of paper to me <laughs> it usually is uh back to the announcers who are very sad about coco Ware's attitude lately yeah they're oh. very um, upset about it <laughs> i know we clipped to some mixed tag recently where coco and miss texas that's jacqueline Teamed right. up against uh, King and Tony Adams. Adams gets the pin after using some strap or foreign object, and Coco gets on the mic. 
to say some shit that we can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. So Texas, that's Jackie, shoves Coco. So he actually, Coco beware, shoves her right back, knocks her on her ass, and then beats the shit out of the special guest ref, T.D. Steele. He also gives like a little a little kick to Miss <laughs> Yeah. Me. Not like hard or anything, just kind of a little... Stomps on her yeah, a little like bit. Just, it, one of those, like, it doesn't look like he did anything kicks. Coco but beware, though, beating up women, Quinn. I don't know what's that gotten into about. him lately. Yeah. Back to the announcers, where Dave Brown has a great line. He's like, displays like that are just ridiculous. That's what they are. So mad. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. I know. It's I mean, not you, nice. you can't do that to Miss Texas. Jeez. She won the contest to be Miss Texas. How could you do that? It's true. Now, Miss Texas wanders out, and she almost trips over, like, a toddler. Yeah, like, a little girl comes to, like, say, and she's like, it's, hi, little girl. And it's I'm really like, cute. Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> like, even the announcer's mark, oh, a little fan there. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Very wholesome. She calls out Coco for being a fucking asshole and says she's going to kick his ass if this happens again. She's all like, hey, Sam, I'm like, fuck you, Coco. Yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> uh, back to the ring. Where uh, Tony Williams and the unfortunately named Ken Raper are in the oh. ring waiting for their opponents. They're facing off against Reggie B. Fine and Doomsday. Mm. Now, Reggie gets on the mic to rant and says, <laughs> says Rudy Pooh. This is the first time in a long time that I can remember coming out here and looking on the contract and I got some low budget Rudy Pooh I don't know nothing oh. about. I really like Reggie. He's good. He's amazing. Like, what a good heel. He's really good. He's very good. Uh, The heels are accompanied by Boss Paul Neighbors. Who? Well, that was a referee that, like, turned heel. Like a Danny Danny Davis. Yeah. Not that Danny Davis. The the good Danny Davis. The referee Danny Davis. The ref Danny Davis. Not Nightmare. Not not Blob Face Danny Blob. (laughs) So many Danny Davises. Doomsday kills Tony Williams with a choke slam and then a choke toss. Irish whip and a huge clothesline by Doomsday. I love how all Reggie does is like a brag in the corner. Literally does nothing. Yeah, like at all. Doomsday's doing everything. Yeah. Now, do you know who Doomsday is? I was trying to guess. I mean, it can't be like Sid or anything, right? It is not Sid. It's a big man. Is it like Dan Spivey or something? No. Um, younger. Younger. Oh, is it Kane? It's Kane. Yeah. Glenn Jacobs. Uh, you know why I say those people? Because those are guys that in my brain, like, they were around the territories in masks and stuff. Yeah, Like, because they were right. just big. Yes. Yeah, like, so it's like, it could be, it, like, th- those were, like, the people. Like, yep. it could have been Kane yep. or Danny Spivey yep. or one of those people. Or Sid was Lord yes. Humongous in yeah, Memphis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's Kane. Glenn Jacobs, a very young Glenn Jacobs here. Uh, so we get a press slam and a tag to Reggie. Reggie comes in with a slap, and then he immediately gets drop kicked by Williams, who tags in the Raper. I'm not talking about Lawler. Raper gets a fired up baby face thing, but Doomsday just comes in and punches him right in the face. <laughs> Doomsday <laughs> is kicking some ass. He's awesome. Yeah. And he looks so big compared to all these well, guys, too. Vanilla midgets over here, yeah. <laughs> big body slam and a leg drop, corner whip and a charging clothesline. Raper ducks another charge, just like King ducked a rape charge, mm-hmm. and goes all the way up, but Doomsday catches Raper and yanks him down into a power slam. Reggie tags in and lands an awful <laughs> splash for the pin. So fantastic. All this like yeah. Reggie is one of the best heels on the roster. Does he's, nothing. He's he, and he like brags. Yeah. And he like won't stop talking like they go to the booth after this. <laughs> yeah. Like he just won't sh- and his hair is all shitty. Yeah. It's, it's bald it's, hair. It's like the horseshoe but it's like weird because the hair that he has it's like cut close and I think it even has like a design in it just to like exemplify like why is he showing off his hair right. he's got no hair. Yeah. Like it's it's like fuck this this guy like <laughs> and that splash he did was so shitty that the announcers are like wait he won whoa yeah. <laughs> everyone's like what like <laughs> so he he wanders over to the desk dave brown's like no we gotta go to break and reggie's like
like, don't go to no break. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so Dave's like, okay, all right, fine. Well, what do you want? <laughs> That's a great yeah. line. I told you if I have a partner, I can beat anybody they put me in there with. Hey, don't go to no break. It's time to go to break. Okay, hold it. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What do you want? Dave Brown is really good. Uh, Reggie wants to introduce someone, so he leaves. And Dave Brown's getting all impatient. He's like, what's going on here? Yeah. He brings out some lady, sweet Georgia Brown. She's like in this like blue sparkly cat suit thing. Yep. I guess what they're trying to say is like she's going to be the, the, the main feud with uh, Miss Texas, right? Yep. yep. They say they're going to send Miss Texas all the way back to Dallas. You know why? I think because sweet Georgia, Miss Texas, get, get it. it. Different yeah. states. Yeah. Get it. Do Georgia and Texas not like each other in like college football or something? Maybe is that what they're going off of? <laughs> trying to think like i'm, I'm just I don't like know. what was like the reasoning behind naming her georgia and the other one texas and doing this in memphis tennessee yeah it's very weird very weird uh dave is finally able to send us to break here we come back and moondog spike is in the ring with richard lee as jeff jarrett's goofy ass music hits first of all what in the actual <laughs> ass is this music <laughs> it sucks secondly jarrett's attire is terrible oh, Purple, like ribbony, what cape <laughs> cloak? It's awful. What is, like, uh, what is he wearing? Uh, Richard Lee has a steel chair, which leads Dave Brown to state he should be sitting in that chair. That's what should he what he <laughs> should be doing. Jarrett pulls Spike out of the ring and tosses him into the barricade outside. So is Spike Spot? They no. look very similar. They, all the Moon Dogs do, but no, it's this not one Spot looks specifically like Spot. No, more. it's not. It's a different guy. Weird Spike uh, in the ring now, and Jarrett punches or tries punches in the corner, but gets caught in an inverted atomic drop. And Spike is all like fat and shitty, by the way. Awful, it, all, like really bad. Very Memphis, though. Yeah, very, very Memphis. <laughs> this plays in Memphis. You yeah. know, in New York, we'd be like, "What? Yeah, we'd, who? <laughs> like, like why? You know, we'd be like, is this Moondog Spot? <laughs> like, seriously, because that's the only one we know of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of punching by Spike, and then a bear, hu- a dog hug, maybe. Uh, Richard Lee sits it on commentary, and he brings that the Moondogs have held the tag titles longer than anyone. So I checked it out, did some research here, and out of all their reigns with different combinations, you the know, Memphis Spike... Memphis tag belts, yeah, specifically? Okay. Yeah. Spike and Cujo and all the different combinations. Right, right. The longest reign was 86 days. Uh, not well, even anything. There you go. Uh, Jared, it's Memphis. What is, who cares? I know. Jared gets a very crummy sunset flip for two, but Spike stays on the offensive as Richard Lee tries to say that the Moondogs have held the titles for over a year. Okay. I well, just said they not, haven't. That's nice, but it's not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some more junky offense by Spike, but he misses a charge and then another charge. Jared with 10 punches in the corner and then a jumping DDT, but it only gets two. This match is dump, by the way. It's like really dumb. It's really, like, I really, hate it. really like, I hate it, Joe. It's, it's te- really slow. Yeah, it stinks. And especially with, like, all this exciting shit going on, like, yeah. the whole time. It's like, this is a real drag. It is, honestly. This ref, Frank Morell, looks like Butterbean's dad, by the way. He's just tubby he and old. Uh, he almost Jer- looks like that, um, like, let's get it on guy or whatever. <laughs> Mills like, Lane? Yeah, just fatter. <laughs> More like Judge Wapner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarrett with a, a hideous fist drop, which he misses. And this! It's <laughs> terrible! Well, a Moondog Splat, who's <laughs> even fatter than Spike. And bigger, too. Like, <laughs> way yeah, bigger. taller. He wanders in, and Frank Morell just calls for the bell. Fat dog over here. <laughs> That's what they should have called him. <laughs> Moondog Fat. <laughs> the Moondogs beat down Jarrett. 
So I'm assuming Brian Christopher's going to be on his way, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Right on cue, here he is to make the save. Christopher also nails Richard Lee. The faces clean house until Doomsday. Reggie and Doink just saunter yeah. out. So now Jeff Gaylord and Mike Anthony and American Eagle come out to help. Basically everyone on the show comes out. It's chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's like absolute chaos. It's their whole roster for that day. Yeah. So we go to break and we come back where the announcers are like very jolly recapping <laughs> today's happenings. They're so happy about the show being good <laughs> yeah. or something. They're like, like all into it. They're really like, good this week. Wow, yeah. what a show almost we've like seen. They, almost like it's not usually good. They're <laughs> like, wow, this was a this is actually a good episode. Stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, so Corey's all excited too about the big tag title tournament next week. And then we get a disclaimer over the ending music. What was this? It is the announcers on this program are selected and paid for by parties other than the station, mainly the promoters of USWA Championship Wrestling. In case you care, yeah, like, case like, why do I care who paid the announcers, <laughs> specifically just the announcers? Is there some jerk at home that's like, you, the, they, this station better not be paying them to be announcing this stuff? Because I don't, I don't fucking like doink. I don't, <laughs> I don't want it. I, don't, I hope my taxes or whatever pays for this are not paying for doink. <laughs> I don't want to see doink and pay for this year. Yeah. Anyway, and with that, it's over. I thought this was actually a fun little show. Yeah, it was okay. It's like, Memphis. I, I don't know. Like it was just like a regular episode, but it was actually like a good, decent episode. It was fun. Yeah. Again, in this string of like we've had good stuff, other than that, like one thing. Yeah. Oh, the Nawa from Nawa, up north. Yeah. Other than that, horrible. Yeah. Got to say, if there's one thing that Memphis is really good at, mm-hmm. it's being Memphis. That's true. <laughs> they they are just they know they know their bread and butter, and they kind of just do their thing, and they, they dip don't, that bread and butter in gravy. They don't really deviate from it because it's already pretty chaotic as it is. Yeah, they just do Memphis shit. Yeah, no matter what year. No matter who's there. I feel like they could put on the same kind of show today and people would be like, it's wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't yeah. even, like, think anything. They wouldn't think it was, like, the biggest thing in the world, but they wouldn't not be entertained by it. Well, NWA Power, you know, showed that some of this old school stuff could play well today. Yeah. To, they, to an extent. It's just the key to Memphis always to me is chaos. It's like there has to be, like, a big breakdown and fighting outside and shit. You like, gotta have heel managers in Memphis, right, you know, yeah. that stir up shit. There's usually people that just in general, like, poke and prod at the audience and just like piss them off yes so that you can see the big victorious baby face come in and just destroy them and there's generally a lot of intertwining of storylines a yeah. lot of people get involved in other people's oh, like shit every single thing on this was intertwined everything's always interrelated so i yeah. thought it was a good job you know lawler wasn't really on it we only saw clips of him saw some wwf guys but even outside of that fun it was yeah, fun it's fine nothing good wrestling wise are you oh, kidding no, me no that joint <laughs> match all and, of that, and every also match. that, that whatever that last match was Jarrett versus uh, who was it? The fat moon, the spike, the, the slightly less fat moon dog. Yeah, spike, yeah. spike dog. Almost forgot already. Almost forgot. But folks, don't forget to tune in next week because we will be back, of course, for another episode in the world of retro wrestling. We'll be getting back to the WWF for a pair of episodes in a row. That's right. Check that out. It's coming up for one fifty eight and one fifty nine. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter if you don't yet. That's at OVP Podcast. You can send us an email OVP Podcast at gmail patreon.com slash OVP podcast for a lot of extra content and if you want to support the show and if you use iTunes Apple Podcasts why don't you go leave us a review but until next time we're going to see you next week I'm Joe Murata that's Michael Quinn and we are out of here see ya I got a surprise I got Somebody put in my cone. I'm pretty. You know I'm pretty. I'm fine. I'm fine and I'm pretty. But I got somebody to be in my cone. It's fine and pretty in me. And you know, buddy, just wait one minute. Let me go get it.
Uh, Reggie, Daddy. what are you doing? Uh, there again, he's delaying the whole thing here. Reggie, be fine. Don't tell him what Reggie comes up with back there. I know. Doomsday and Boss Paul are leaving the area right here. Here comes Reggie back. I've got some bad news for y'all low budget in Memphis. We finna get rid of Miss Texas. We gonna send her back to Dallas down there with that, that horse that with no tail, all that weed she got in her head. Y'all take a look at this specimen right here. She gonna be in me and Doomsday corner. And Miss Texas, tell her baby. Ms. The Texas. real woman of Memphis is back. Ooh. Always when needed. Ooh. Sweet Georgia Brown is in the house. Yes. Will you stop? stop, stop, stop.